Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world, and you are a part of it wherever you are. Shalom, and welcome to Maka Fleischer. Hello there. Happy almost Shavuot, Ishai. Happy almost Shavuot. We have done it, Maka. We have wow. counted 49 Mazal days. Mazal tov. Mazal tov to you. Yeah. To all the Jewish people. Yeah. I mean, um, for me, Shavuot happens to be a very emotional holiday, uh, the counting of the Omer. Why is, is that? I think because it's it's the Eretz Israel holiday, you know, That's it's 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 the it's focused on the Eretz Israel. The 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 writings all involved with it are about Eretz Israel. Although it is about the receiving of the Torah at Sinai, um, at the same time, it's about the Omer. You know, it's bringing the uh, the new grain uh, offering, and it's also about uh, the Book of Ruth. And in the meantime, there's all these national holidays that take place, which is which is. Um, like Baomer and Yom Yerushalayim and Yom Atzma'ud, and I think also Pesach Sheni, which is an important holiday for me. And just the whole period is just very, it's very meaningful. And then it's its the counting itself. And it's just, it's just, a, it's just a time that like you, you know, you, you go up to Meiron or we don't, we, we went up to Meiron at Sfat, you go to Yerushalayim, you know, you go to the park, you see Am Yisrael. It's like a, it's, it's a whole period of, it's a very national period uh, as opposed to like the Elul, period which i find to be more of an introspective period about personal growth right this is much more about national growth that's interesting and it's just i don't i don't i also think that there's something maybe also because like this uh, the month of sivan is my birthday month like i feel dun, dun, dun. it just feels like i'm very like plugged into this whole thing like it, like it touches right, me this touches is your me. period of the year yeah and i and i love the book of ruth and in fact uh later on on the show today we will be uh, playing the Book of Ruth, we'll be playing my rend- my under- my rendition, my teaching wow. uh, uh, of the whole Book of Ruth from Exciting. the Gate Dance. It's fun, and I've been listening right now to uh, to uh, one of my favorite rabbis to listen to, Rabbi uh, Yitzchak Et Shalom. He just said something I never even heard. What did he say? He said that Naomi is the female Job. Right, because she like loses her everything. Loses everything her husband stays faithful. Stays faithful, and she comes back. And 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 wow. wow, I was like, I was like, I never even heard of that. You know, I just love that. I just heard that right now. So as I was washing dishes, and it's really Arab Shavuot here. Right, we and made so, lots of dishes for you today. God bless you, Malka. I have Thank made you. two types of cheesecake. I feel like you guys need to know. But three three cheesecakes of there which... are three cheesecakes, two kinds right, right now. That's right. There is. My classic yearly cheesecake, which is regular non-baked cheesecake mm-hmm. with a strawberry jello-y topping. Mm-hmm. Your eyes just rolled back in your head a little bit when I said That's that. That's a good one. That's a good one. I can feel myself <laughs> fattening. Yes? Yeah. I've, I've been thinking about what am I going to do to like not totally milkify you this holiday. Yes. And then and then I also made for the just first time- Just keep the tent pegs away. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Then for Wink. the first time ever, I made lotus, or in America, they would call it cookie butter. Cookie butter? Yeah, they call it cookie butter. Cookie the, butter cheesecake. I, but they say lotus on the plane. Is that the Israelis? Like what? The, what? Those cookies, those yeah. lotus cookies. Aren't they known ubiquitously as lotus cookies? I don't know. I feel like I never even heard the word cookie butter. I didn't think well, that then they have like a, they have like a like a like a sauce, you know, like a like a peanut butter. Yes. You could spread on a cracker or, what, or an what, apple or something. What is this thing, lotus? What is so, it? So, what is lotus? What, or what, what is the lotus spread? What is it? What is the root of this thing? Like peanut butter? It's, the root is it's peanuts. It's almost like a gingerbread. Okay. It's like a cinnamony. 
All right. I Caramelly don't cookie. Right. Anywho. Yeah. Those are those are the cheesecakes that I made. And then tomorrow I still have to make blueberry blintzes. Mm-hmm. That's my plan. That's right. And we eat, uh, we eat just for FYI. Yes. For our Gentile friends out there or Jews that, uh, you know, uh, didn't get the memo. We uh, eat uh, milchik, i.e. milky. Dairy. Dairy things uh, because of a few different reasons. Um, there's a few different great reasons for that. One of them is, that I like the best is that it was exactly on this date that Moses was taken out of the little uh, floating ark that he was in the, uh, the, the, what do you call it? The little basket, the basket. The basket and, and that he refused the Egyptian milk and only wanted the chal of Israel, the, 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 the milk of Israel. And so that's one of the reasons why, and there's other good reasons, uh, but we, it is a tradition to eat milk, milk, dairy foods yes uh on this holiday so that's why you're talking about all this milk stuff right we're not big dairy eaters no speaking but of on shavuot yes we are speaking of gentiles i i want to tell you that in the last few weeks i've been thinking a lot about this people have heard it on the show as well people listen regularly and and um one of the things that i've been thinking about is uh you know i've mentioned this before which is the creation of an alternative uh religion or let's call it rights-based thing R- rights i mean r-i-t-e-s uh I, a, a a set of religious practices a, right but, but let's call it an alternative to the church right uh, a, 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 a jerusalem torah-based faith thing and i wanted i've been looking for a name and i've been very dissatisfied for years and years with the word noahide or b'nai noah i've been dissatisfied with that uh for marketing reasons because I don't think that Noah is a is a character that most people identify with. Certainly not like, you know, uh, Christian folks or Muslim folks. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody really identifies with Noah, and the laws of Noah and are yet, very. That's what the, that's the term the rabbis used. So there must be something to it. But it's not a marketing term. <laughs> I mean, you might not like it or appreciate tech- it, but maybe you haven't figured out how to market it. It's well. Maybe, but but I I think that that's a technical halachic. There's many halachic terms that we live with that are not marketing terms. Like they're like there are many things in terms of a the basics is that you have to be a noahide, which is you have to fulfill the seven laws and and you know not be idolatrous, set up courts of justice, don't eat you know live uh, live parts of an animal. Fine, fine. But I was in the sauna with my good friend Shlomo of Bat Ayin, uh, a uh, recent five or five or more years immigrant to Israel, Ole. He's done such a great job of setting up his house and setting up a great sauna in his house. His wife is like an is incredible builder. builder. Right. That is so cool. And and they ordered this Finnish uh, oven, like fire oven. It's in the sauna. It's just awesome. And uh, and we we talk deep stuff. That's the way it is with Shlomo. He's a he's a deep thinker and a deep person and and uh so so we're saunaing and thinking and talking about deep things saunaing in judea which should be the name of this week's show but yeah. it's not going to be and and i was telling him about my 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 concern with this and we were talking about it and suddenly i started saying like things that through association through discussion with him i said well i really like the abrahamic faith I like I like that term. The Abrahamic faiths is like Islam, Christianity, and 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 Judaism. But we can use that term and be like, you know, if somebody says to you, uh, "Are you a Christian?" Say, "Well, not exact. No, you know, no, not anymore, or whatever. No, I am uh, of the Abrahamic faith." Right. Well, you know that even today, though, Isha, they call 
the like the what they call the three major religions even though there's like way more hindus and buddhists than jews so i don't know why it's called the three main religions but they call the three main religions judaism christianity and islam they call them the abrahamic faiths right right uh, that's right so but i say no let's 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 take that to ourselves and say no i'm of the abrahamic faith or here's another way of say it uh, which church do you go to or which mosque do you go to? Oh, I go to the Children of Abraham Chapel or whatever you want to call it. I don't like the word synagogue. It's a, it's a silly Greek word. I don't, I don't want to use that. So, I, you know, maybe house of prayer or house of gathering. I don't know. But like I'm looking for an alternative to the word church. I don't know. But I like the, the name the Children of Abraham. Like I'm, I'm one of the Children of Abraham. Now, we, we have used the term on the show of uh, international Torah congregation, right? Uh, we've used uh, that, that, and I like that term a lot. You know, people tell me on maybe the street. Maybe like the Tent of Abraham. Yeah, maybe Tent of Abraham. I feel like I feel like individual chapels will call themselves different things. I mean, although well, like, I mean, maybe the whole thing should be called the tent. Could you know, be you sit under the tent. Yeah, people say of Abraham. Let's let's look at Chabad. They're like the Chabad House of Binghamton and the Chabad House of uh, of Aventura and Chabad House of wherever it is or Chabad House of Jerusalem so it's like it's like what's the Chabad what's the name what's the what's the overarching uh, what's the name what's the word I like to use franchise you know right. what's the franchise name of, of this thing so I like the term Abraham and I really think that Abraham brings us all together it brings Jews together it brings Christians together it brings Muslims together and it brings us kind of together on a, on a there's a terminology there that can help us feel that we're connected to Israel but there's a difference between the children of Israel and the children of Abraham. So I like children of Abraham, and I like the Abrahamic faith, and 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 this goes to an email that I that I received that I wanted to read last week. It's from a lady named Rivka, uh, who writes to me that uh, uh, she says that he that they are Jews by choice who studied ourselves out of Christianity, and she writes me this really long email and a serious email. But here's how the here's how the end of the email goes: Nothing on this list is given to non-Jews to teach people from the nations who want to know God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Christian scriptures here that she quoted direct believers to go to the Jews for all this information from the oracles of God, from the people who follow God. If you don't, and, and, and here's, the, here's, the, here's the punchline. I, I like the way she phrased this. If you don't provide direction in these areas, there are non-Jews out there setting up their own study groups and communities that will happily build their own kingdoms with those who are not yet able to distinguish what is authentic and what is counterfeit. That's right. What a phrase. What a great turn of the phrase. Thank you for all you are doing for Israel and for us outside the land, signed Rivka. And, and the bottom line is Rivka's saying, like, we got to get out there. And I know that, that right. we, we've been having some debates with, with even some of our more... Um, uh, we, we have a specific friend who happens to be you know, quite conservative about... Uh, I, I don't know if I... Old the school. Right word. He's, yeah, he does not want to reach out uh, to the Western Gentiles. You know, he's, he's cool he's with reaching Eastern out. He's into Eastern Gentiles. Right, he's into Eastern he's Gentiles. He's very... Let's just say it. He is very uncomfortable with Christianity. He feels that Christianity um, targets Jews, um, that by nature it's a religion which proselytizes and it wants Jews to become Christians. And he is worried about that. I get it. And I, I don't want to get too much too theological today because the truth is today is Shavuot. And what I really want to send out a signal is to the children of Abraham, to the international Torah congregation, and certainly to Jews, is that we're about to receive the Torah. We're about to receive the Torah. And you know what? Uh, I like to teach Torah. I like to think about Torah, but I also like to learn Torah and receive Torah. 
And one of my rabbis is uh, Rabbi Shimshon Nadel, uh, who joins us uh, on the show. He's a rabbi, Jeru- Jerusalem's Kilat Zichron Yosef. Uh, he's a great Kohen, he's a priest, and he's a priest to me as well. So Rabbi Shimshon Nadel, he's asking a, a simple question, which is, why is the date of Shavuot seemingly convoluted and hard to ascertain in the Torah? There's a very beautiful reason for that. Rabbi Shimshon, wow. take it away. Shalom Yishai. Shavuot, the holiday which commemorates the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, begins this Thursday night. But the Torah doesn't give an explicit date for Shavuot. The Torah tells us to observe Rosh Hashanah on the 1st of Tishrei, and Yom Kippur on the 10th, and Sukkot on the 15th, and to observe Pesach on the 15th of Nisan, but the Torah doesn't tell us exactly when Shavuot is. What the Torah does tell us is to count seven weeks from when the Omer offering is brought, 49 days from the second day of Pesach, and on the 50th day, observe Shavuot. But again, no explicit date. Why? Shavuot is Zman Matan Torah the day on which we commemorate the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. But the Torah also doesn't spell that out explicitly. The Torah doesn't tell us exactly what date we received the Torah, perhaps the most important day in Jewish history. Instead, you have to connect the dots, you have to do the math, you have to make a sophisticated calculation and put two and two together. There's even a debate in Masachet Shabbat whether the Torah was given on the 6th or the 7th of Sivan. And Mount Sinai, the site where we received the Torah, where we entered into a covenant with Hashem, that too is unknown. Why all of this ambiguity? Why the lack of clarity? Why all the mystery? The answer is so simple, yet so profound. The Torah intentionally leaves all of this vague because any time a Jew engages in the study of Torah, he is standing there at Mount Sinai. The Torah need not tell us explicitly when the holiday of Shavuot is or even when we receive the Torah because we are constantly receiving the Torah. Even the sight of Mount Sinai is insignificant because we are standing at Sinai whenever we are involved in Torah study. On Shavuot, we aren't just commemorating a historical event that transpired 3,500 years ago in some desert. Rather, we celebrate an ongoing relationship with Hashem and His Holy Torah. Whenever we study Torah, we hear Hashem's voice, we feel His presence, we're standing at Sinai. The study of Torah is a divine encounter, a rendezvous with the Ribbono Shalolam. And this, of course, is reflected in the very blessings we make over the Torah. We say, blessed are you, Hashem, noten ha-Torah, who gives the Torah in present tense. Not who gave the Torah once upon a the time in some desert, but who gives the Torah in present tense. And while there's a whole debate about the custom, many of the custom to stand while the Ten Commandments are being read as if they are standing at Sinai. The passage which we will read on Shavuot describes the scene at Mount Sinai, the smoke, the fire, the thunder, the lightning, and the sound of the shofar, which grew stronger and stronger. That shofar blast never ceased. You can still hear it today. You just have to listen closely. You just have to be attuned to it. You just have to connect to it. And each year on Shavuot, we, so to speak, receive the Torah anew. We make a renewed acceptance, each and every one of us. And so there's a custom to wish people a good Kabbalah Torah. 
And we stay up all night studying Torah to reenact or recreate that experience. Our Torah is not some old tome sitting on the shelf gathering dust. It's a Torah Chayim, a living, breathing Torah that engages the modern world and confronts its challenges. And its message is as relevant today as when it was given at Sinai 3,500 years ago. Wishing all of the listeners a Chag Sameach. All right, that was that was beautiful. Rabbi Shimshon Nadel of Jerusalem's Kehilat Zichron Yosef Tadar Rabbah for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Um, Malka, uh, first thing we should say uh, Mazal Tov, or as we say here in the Middle East, Mabruk. Uh, blessings to uh, our government uh, for um, passing the budget. Mazal Tov. They passed the budget. They passed the budget, which is one of the biggest successes of this government. Uh, the Isn't go- every government supposed to pass a budget? Absolutely. But passing a, a budget means, and they voted on it with no problems, there was a lot of uh, suspicion that there would be a breakup and there were people who were really nervous that, that this government was going to collapse over, uh, over, you know, over this budget. No. It, you know, they had the haggling and they got it done. They got it done. So I'm very thankful about that. And that's a big thing. That also is, a, I want you to know, Mark, it's a sigh of relief because if they didn't pass the budget the, uh, by May 31st, I think the government would have legally collapsed. Oh. Yeah. So they had to pass it, and they had they had some haggling. They passed it. So great, great stuff. And I'm just happy about that. I'm happy that that uh, a government's moving forward. And I promise you that next week after Shavuot, the government's going to be in a better mood because, like, and a lot of money. <laughs> There's a lot of money. In the this money. Budget. The pipes are going to open. Now, listen. I wish that our our beloved country wasn't as socialist as it is, but I rather that our socialists have the money than their socialists. Meaning to say, the Israeli right wing, right, is 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 almost as socialist as the uh, left wing. So I'm happy. So, so to me, it's like, it's sad that we, we still have a kind of, you know, a lot of socialist infrastructure, but like, okay, better our socialism than their than socialism. So, so, okay. So Mabruk, as we say, or Mazal Tov uh, to, uh, to the government. That reminds me uh, that this show uh, is also sponsored by, by friends, just like our government sponsors us. We have a lot of friends that, uh, that help us run the show, uh, including the good folks on High on the Har that bring folks to the Temple Mount. And I wish that this Shavuot, we could go on the Temple Mount, uh, but this Shavuot is Friday and Saturday. Friday, they don't let us go to the Temple Mount. Saturday, not either. And that is one of the fights that we have to fight right now is to normalize Jewish ascension to the Temple Mount on Shabbat. Right. On Shabbat. Uh, so highonthehar.com will help you get to the Temple Mount in a kosher and awesome uh, fashion. And hopefully I will be going early next week. Hebron Fund will take you to the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs and to the Jewish community of Hebron and to the tomb of Yishai and Ruth. Which is looking amazing. Which is looking amazing. I've had a lot of uh, awesome uh, 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 help and support to beautify the tomb of the patriarchs, uh, tomb of Ruth and Yishai, Ruth and Jesse, Ruth and Yishai in Hebron. And it will be welcoming thousands of visitors on uh, uh, to, and, in, on Friday afternoon before Shabbat. So very exciting. It's going to be That's really, really great. That's really exciting. It's, it's going to be, be really great. You know what? Now that I think about it, I think maybe we'll actually say, maybe we'll even pray the Friday night prayers at the tomb of Ruth and Ishai. That might be really neat out there. That, that might be very special, but we'll see. Um, and uh, we also have our good friends at Retro Watch Guy making great, bringing out great watches from the 60s and 70s, putting them on your wrist, 
uh, and and bringing back cool the cool looks of the past, making them cool today. And our good folks at RetroWatchGuy.com are making Aliyah to the land of Israel. So thank you very much for your support of our show and your great watches, uh, which I will be taking, I hope, to uh, Hebron. For, that's where we're going. Uh, for Shavuot, Mark, I got another email that I Great. think is um, that I think is very important. Uh, and the last email that I wrote is from the Gentile world. Here's from a Jewish world. Hi, Ishai. I know you meet a lot of people, and you may even remember us. You stayed in our house when you spoke uh, at Chabad in this town. Uh, anyway, I've been listening to your podcast, and it has made me think of Israel and Yiddishkeit Judaism a bit differently in a good way. It can be more emotional and connected than I was than I was acting in the past. Wow. And we purchased a home in Zichron in, in, in Israel about six months ago wow. and are renovating it now. And we decided to make Aliyah. Wow. <laughs> As your podcast said, it's the kids holding us back from full time in Israel. So maybe we will see you there. Uh, also, my wife wants to start hosting lone soldiers for Shabbat. Beautiful. Maybe uh, we can get to that. Uh, you can help, etc. Incredible. That is such a nice email. <laughs> you know, I read, wanted to read these two emails. Because, you know, I remember something, you know, 20, I went this week, this week, I went to a 20 year anniversary of a Ruth Sheva, Israel National News, Israel National Radio and the Hebrew Ruth Sheva station that a 20th anniversary since they shut down the boat. We, you and I came to Israel to work for a Ruth Sheva, Israel right National then. News, exactly after they shut down the boat. And I went to this, I went to this, this, this uh, nostalgic gathering. They called it that nostalgic you gathering. open up your old yearbooks? You know, you know what I remembered? I remembered, and I, w- within a short amount of time, I had the great honor to be the manager of the radio station. And you know what, you know what I remembered? That I really had, uh, really I had three pillars in the radio station and the shows that we produced. Not just you and my, all the shows. I had, I had three pillars. One pillar was to talk about Aliyah. And another one was to talk about Torah. And another one was to help bring Gentiles into the fold. Those were, that, was, that, was my, that was my goal. Those were my three goals. I remember I set those three pillars in my head. I'm like, these are the topics that we will bring out to the world. And I wanted to read you these two emails, which were about, you know. All those things. Those things. That's very nice. And, and, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's, very nice. that's the God. mission. That's really the mission. Uh, is, to, is, to, is to light up people with Torah, bring them, connect them to the centrality of the land of Israel, and even bring the world in, into the whole fold. And you know what, Malka? I could say all that with one word. That word is echad. Echad. I have figured out that echad stands for the whole mission. Echad means one. It's the last word. God is one, right? With the word one, echad, you can figure out the whole mission of the Jewish people. Check this out. Aleph stands for God. And also, there's a way to break up the letter Aleph into two vavs and uh, two two yuds and a vav, which stands for 26, which is God's name. God is Aleph. God is Aleph, right? So God, he gives us Torah. He's he's the the author of Torah, right? Right. Chet stands for the Jewish people. Do you know why? No. Because we get circumcised on the eighth day. And the eighth day, that's our specific covenant. Chet is the eighth letter. Right. Chet stands for eight. and, And that is the Jewish people and the covenant with the Jewish people. That's our that's our nation. We're chet. We're like the nation that has this is our specific. Nobody else has that. Plus, the, it looks like a tiny sukkah. That's right. Okay, there you go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Chet, and then and then Dalid. So so first there is God and His knowledge is Torah. Then there's the Jewish people, and finally Dalid is our is four, which is the four corners of the world. 
Nice. It's our bucket for Taaretz, right? And we have to be ingathered from the four corners of the world, and we have to spread Torah to the four corners of the world. Nice. So there's God, there's the Jewish people, and then there's the nations. There you go. That's Dang. it. It's, it's all in the word Echad. That's the mission right there. Liked it. Uh, Malka, we can't do it without the house of David. The house of David is, uh, King David is, is, a, is a key uh, a phenomenon in this world uh, for, for, Jewish, for, for, for Jewish monarchy in this world, for, for Jewish um, strength, for, we, we, we have a goal. We have a, we have a, we're a goal-oriented society to bring perfection to this world. King David stands for that perfection mm-hmm. of, of the Jewish people, Jewish monarchy, and, and later of the world. Uh, ben Bresky has prepared, our beloved Ben Bresky has prepared a wonderful uh, uh, segment of Jewish history about the tomb of King David. Wow. Uh, on Mount Zion and the story of the tomb of King David. Ben Bresky, take it away. for Shav- Oh, and of course, we talk about King David on Shavuot, which is the passing day of King David. We read the book of Ruth, uh, which is the lineage of King David. So it's all about King David. And here's Ben Bresky telling us an aspect of the story of King David. This is a moment in Jewish history. King David was born on and passed away on the holiday of Shavuot. And every year, the tomb of King David in Jerusalem has become a traditional pilgrimage site for Jewish worshippers. Thousands arrive at Mount Zion, a hill outside the walls of the old city of Jerusalem. Shavuot marks the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai, and traditionally people stay up all night to study. Most of the Psalms are attributed to King David, and they are recited at the tomb of King David. Some light candles, and some light 150 candles representing the 150 Psalms. The tradition of the site today known as the tomb of King David on Mount Zion dates back approximately 1,000 years. The old stone building contains a cenotaph, or memorial marker, to the biblical king of Israel and Judea. The stone monument blocks the way to an underground cave, which has never been properly excavated. During the Crusades, it was appropriated by the Christians and then the Muslims. During Ottoman rule, Jews were banned from entering the old stone building and were allowed to only pray in a room above. During the 19th century, Jews were allowed to enter the tomb complex only after paying a fee. During the British mandate, the British authorities permitted the Jews to pray in the tomb on the holiday of Shavuot. The monument was once covered by a beautiful tapestry with a floral pattern donated by Baron Edmund de Rothschild, the British Jewish philanthropist. An article from the Jewish Telegraphic Agency from 1930 attests to the status of the site as a destination for worshippers, writing that the Jews on the last day of the Jewish Pentecost say psalms to the memory of King David. During the 1948 War of Independence, the place was used as a military headquarters for the Jordanians. From 1948 to 1967, the old city of Jerusalem was controlled by Jordan, and Jewish people did not have access to the holy sites there, such as the Western Wall and Temple Mount. During this period, King David's tomb became the closest one could get. From the rooftop, one could catch a glimpse of the old city. The president of Israel, Yitzhak ben Zvi, had a room on the roof, which still exists today and is called the President's Room. 
1957 article from JTA states, Thousands of Jews made a pilgrimage to Mount Zion yesterday on the first day of Shavuot to recite prayers at the reputed site of the tomb of King David, who, according to tradition, was born and died on Shavuot. Many devout worshippers maintained a night-long vigil at the tomb reciting psalms. Many groups of religious youth made their way to the site where they danced and sang in a twilight lightened by the fires of Sephardic Jewish families who barbecued food for their praying menfolk. Synagogues throughout the country were decorated with traditional greenery and drew capacity crowds for the readings of the story of Ruth, the article stated. The tradition of King David's tomb being located on the area we today call Mount Zion goes back to the Middle Ages. The Jewish traveler Benjamin of Tudela recorded a memorable story of his visit to Mount Zion during his journeys of 1165 to 1173, in which he visited the land of Israel and many other Jewish communities. He states that, On Mount Zion are the sepulchres of the house of David and the sepulchres of the kings that ruled after him. The exact place cannot be identified inasmuch as 15 years ago a wall of the church of Mount Zion fell in. Two workmen hired by the church found an entrance to a cave. Benjamin of Tudela continues, Thereupon one said to the other, Let us go in and see if any money is to be found there. They entered the cave and reached a large chamber resting upon pillars of marble overlaid with silver and gold. In front was a table of gold and a scepter and crown. This was the sepulchre of King David. On the left thereof in like fashion was the sepulchre of King Solomon. Then followed the sepulchres of all the kings of Judah that were buried there. Closed coffers were there also, the contents of which no man knows. The two men essayed to enter the chamber when a fierce wind came forth from the entrance of the cave and smote them, and they fell to the grounds like dead men, and there they lay until evening. And there came forth a wind like a man's voice, crying out, Arise, and go forth from this place. So the men rushed forth in terror. Benjamin of Tudela relates that the two workmen told the church elder, who told the pious rabbi Abraham L. Constantini, described as one of the mourners of Jerusalem, who asserted that it was, in fact, the tomb of King David. The workmen were asked to take them back to the cave, but they refused, fearing for their lives. The cave entrance was then sealed up. Benjamin of Tudela heard the story personally from the rabbi. In more modern times, the famous Israeli Nobel Prize-winning author S.Y. Agnon wrote in his 1945 novel Tomol Shoshom, There is one place in Jerusalem that I visit once a year on the holiday of Shavuot, and that is King David's tomb. Since King David is my favorite of all the Jews in the world, a mighty king who was busy all the days in wars with the Philistine Goliath and the rest of the wicked, the Jews, in contrast, would surely bother him a lot as well. Nevertheless, he would take time to play the violin and sing hymns for all the poor and oppressed. Such a king, how could I not love him? Chaim Hefer, the famous Israeli songwriter, wrote during the Six-Day War in 1967 a front-page newspaper article in which he envisions the IDF chief of staff meeting with King David on Mount Zion, 
who then takes out his harp and sings psalms in honor of the IDF. After 1967, Jews could once again visit the Western Wall, and the tomb of King David and Mount Zion became of lesser importance. Yet the Bible records the tomb of King David as being located in the city of David. Today, the area called the City of David Archaeological Site is located in the Shiloh Valley, down the hill and outside the walls of the old city, near the Western Wall. Numerous archaeological discoveries have been found in the City of David, such as coins and buildings from the time of the First and Second Temple era. Raymond Whale, a French archaeologist, discovered in 1913 eight tombs at the south of the City of David. He identified that as being of Israelite royalty and perhaps the true location of the tomb of David. However, the Italian engineer and amateur archaeologist Ermete Pirotti, in his 1864 book Jerusalem Explored, describes discovering a cave in the area of the cemetery in the west of Mount Zion, leading under the structure of today's King David's tomb. Pirotti identified the cave as the true location of the tomb of King David. In 1951, the Israeli archaeologist Jacob Pinkerfeld explored the building and dug to a depth of about 70 centimeters, where he discovered a colorful mosaic floor. Pinkerfeld dated the mosaic and the niche in the wall to the Roman period, while the tombstone itself and the other walls of the compound are later additions, he said. These motifs, in addition to the fact that the alcove faces the Temple Mount, led Pinkerfeld to the conclusion that the alcove is a hall or ark of an ancient synagogue that was located there. The Roman Jewish historian, in his book Antiquities, written in the year 94 BCE, tells a tale about how King Herod the Great, who lived during his lifetime, attempted to uncover gold and jewels from the tomb of King David, but was thwarted by a burst of flame. Josephus writes, As for Herod, he had spent vast sums about the cities, both without and within his own kingdom. And as he had before heard that Hyrcanus, who had been king before him, had opened David's sepulchre and taken out of it three thousand talents of silver, and that there was much greater number left behind. And at this time he opened the sepulchre by night and went into it, and endeavored that it should not be at all known in the city, but took only his most faithful friends with him. As for any money, he found none, as Hyrcanus had done, but furniture of gold, and those precious goods that were laid upon there, all which he took away. However, he had a great desire to make a more diligent search and to go further in, even as far as the very bodies of David and Solomon. When two of his guards were slain by a flame that burst out upon those that went in, as the report was, so he was terribly affrighted and went out, and built a proprietary monument of that fright he had been in, and this of white stone, at the mouth of the sepulchre. King David was a heroic, troubled, conflicted character, who rivals Moses as the most written about in the Tanakh. His psalms are still read today by people seeking solace. King David's place of rest, no matter where it may be located, is a source of inspiration, on the holiday of Shavuot and throughout the year. 
This has been a moment of Jewish history. My name is Benjamin Bresky. For more information, you can email me at bbresky at gmail.com. Thank you to Yishai Fleischer. Thank you to all the listeners. And Shalom. All right, Maka, we are back. Thank you very much, Ben Bresky. And thank you very much to JNS, uh, uh, which is a great news website. And they just redid their website, jns.org. Check them out. And jewishpress.com with their wonderful daily email, the Jewish Express. And thank you very much to Prohibition Pickle, feeding us deliciously. I actually thought about Chaim today as as I was making my cheesecakes. I was like, how busy is that guy right now? He's going crazy right now. And he's gone, you know, he's he's, uh, catering. Uh, people's holidays, people, because it's this year, folks, in the Gentile world, if you don't know this, it's a two-dayer. A two-day holiday. It's a two-dayer. That's you, right. Sometimes that's some right. of our holidays can be one day, two days, or three days. <laughs> it just depends. This year, if you want to know more long. about that, you got to be an insider. That's right. That's right. But but everybody should know that this year there's Shavuot, which is the, oh, by the way, it's known as the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. Uh, it is this 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 time around. It is it is linked up. It is it is uh, it, it abuts a Sabbath, and so therefore you have Shavuot, the Feast of Week, which is a full festival, Sabbath-like festival, and then uh, uh, Shabbat. So you will we you and I will be away from our Twitter for like a full forty whoa, whoa, more than forty eight hours. That's right. That's that. Don't be scared, Maka. Maka. Hopefully, summer starting soon. All right after Shavuot, we say good Zimmer. And a uh, good summer, and I will hopefully take a kosher cycle tour Ooh. with Aaron. That's right, koshercycletour.com. And you can, too, go up and down in the land of Israel. It's the land of hills and valleys. Uh, and also the, the globe in a kosher fashion in, in with a minion, with kosher food, and with professional bicycles. Uh, and don't try to read the Israel Bible while bicycling. Get, when you finish bicycling, get yourself an Israel Bible uh, found at theisraelbible.com. Put in, it's one of the most beautiful Bibles you can own uh, in English, Hebrew, and etc. And you could go to israelbible.com and uh, uh, just put in coupon code Yishai and then boom. So there you go. So uh, koshercyclesverse.com, uh, Israel Bible, and all of our good friends, thank you very much. And now, uh, back by popular demand, because my friend Pinchas. Uh, from Teaneck wrote to me. So popular demand means one guy wrote to me and he's that's like... That's the power of one person. That's right. He's <laughs> Very good, Maka. Very good. You're tired and yet... I'm so tired. Yeah, and yet you come up with, with witty, zim, you know, zingers. zingers. You're good, that Maka. That wasn't a zinger. No, but it was a, it was a fastball, Maka. Nice. You, you, you know what you're doing. Uh, so back by, by huge popular demand by Pinchas from Teaneck, uh, <laughs> here is uh, my uh, recording from a few years ago of the whole book of Ruth. Wow, this is really exciting, guys, because, okay. you, wait, I just want to pause for a second because Ishai loves the book of Ruth. So this is a really big opportunity because he's going to go over this, I'm sure, with a lot of love and a lot of interesting detail. That's right. A lot of love, a lot of interesting detail. Uh, and uh, and thank you very much, all of you. I also want to thank one last, one last group of people. You know what? I'll do it right after the book of Ruth. So let's finish. Let's do that. Let's go right and delve into the Get book in of Ruth. There. Come on over to Beit Lechem. That's right. All right, here we go. Book of Ruth. All right, folks, you are listening to Yishai Fleischer, and we're going to go together through the book of Ruth, one of the most beautiful books in the Hebrew canon, in the Jewish Bible. Uh, a book of romance, uh, a book of love, and a book of uh, the foundations uh, and the lineage uh, that predates King David. A very special book that we read on the holiday of Shavuot. 
Uh, and we're going to go through the whole thing today together. A few quick preambles. Uh, first thing, uh, as I said, this is a book about King David, but it's really written, according to Jewish tradition, by the prophet Samuel. So this is a prophetic book. That's very important to understand, and it's written in a prophetic style. At the same time, while it's written in a prophetic style, and its purpose is to give the lineage of King David, um, it's also written in a very action-y style, meaning to say, really, there is no God reveals himself, etc., etc. There are a lot of blessings, but it's not a book of revelation. It's a book of a story, of a story uh, of the formation of this family, the disintegration and then reformation of this family. Uh, and it's, it's interesting that almost every verse starts with the letter Vav, which means like and, <clears throat> and she did and she acted, etc. So it's really the book of a family that leaves the land of Israel and comes back to the land of Israel and the, the, and the, and the trials and tribulations uh, and the blessings that they find. So it's a very action-oriented book. And as I said before, its purpose is really to give the lineage of King David. And the reason uh, we need the lineage of King David is because King David comes from a great-grandmother who is a Moabites. That's, there's a problem there since the Bible says you're not supposed to marry into Moabites. They're not supposed to really convert and become Jews. But through this book, we also learn that there is the possibility for a female Moabite to Moabite Tess to uh, join the Jewish people. So that's something very important. Another thing is that this is a very feminine book, not female, but feminine. And I say that uh, kind of neutrally. Uh, I say that um, it's not it's not a value judgment in any way. What it is, though, it's got a certain style, and its main actors are females. Uh, its its title is Ruth. It's about a female. Uh, and, and in many ways, it's a book of, uh, of fertility, of the blessings of fertility. It's a book about the land of Israel, which is in female form. And, and we'll get through that, and, and I'll try to show you what I mean by, by it's a feminine book, feminine-style book. Uh, and most importantly, really, it's a book of blessings. We're going to see that for sure. Um, and we're also going to see that it's a book about uh, exile and redemption. Exile and redemption, uh, dispersal uh, and blessings, uh, and the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. And inside, of course, of this book is the seed and seat of Messiah, the beginnings of Messiah. And it's, it harkens back to a few different stories. It'll harken back to the Rachel story. It'll harken back to the Leah story, Rachel and Leah. And it'll harken back to the Tamar story uh, that are in the Bible. We'll, we'll touch upon those when we, when we reach it. Uh, it's four chapters, but it's very fast and very moving. Uh, and it all happens also in Bethlehem. That's important to understand. We're right now recording the show in the fields of Bethlehem uh, here in Ephrata which is the sister city, uh, as, as actually will be mentioned in the book of Ruth. There's really no more appropriate place to record this, uh, this, this uh, going through of the book of Ruth than in the place where it really happened, which is here in the fields of Bethlehem, in the fields of Boaz. In fact, right across from me right now, I could see a little uh, village, a town, uh, which is connected to Neve Daniel, which is called Zde Boaz, the field of Boaz. So the book of Ruth, uh, and it's also one of my favorites, and I hope it is one of yours. Let's let's delve right into it together. And as we go through it, we're also going to go through the Midrashim, some of the Midrashim that are associated. Oh, it's a book of blessings and not a book of curses. This is a book that you're not going to get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, hell and damnation and, and, and brimstone and fire. That's not going to happen here. 
It's much more like there are some people that are going to be uh, judged or accused or um, or somehow seen in, in a in a negative light. But we're going to be very very gentle with how we treat them. Uh, th- there will be a critique of them, certainly a critique. And I'm talking about Eli Melech, which we're going to see immediately now, and later on Ploni Almoni, Mister Anonymous. Uh, and the critique of those two characters who kind of missed the boat, right? It's also about missing the boat and not missing the boat. That's another subtext here. And it's also about being a stranger in a strange land and being welcomed in. Uh, but, but for our purposes, it's about do you miss the boat or do you, or do you not miss the boat when it comes to redemption, which I think is important in our time. Chapter 1, chapter Aleph, verse Aleph, verse 1. It was in the days of the judgment of the judges. What does that mean? Uh, that really, um, it, really, the judges themselves were being judged, uh, and there was really no judgment. This is before the period of the kings, and we know that it says in the book of Judges that uh, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. So the judges were kind of judged and, and, and looked down upon, but there wasn't clear leadership. I think that is the main, uh, the main thrust of that phrase. And the sages see it as a kind of negative phrase, it was in the days of the judging of the judges. It's not a good, it's not a good it doesn't portend good things. And the Medrash is going to say here that, uh, that, why does it say twice, it was in the days of the judging of the judges, and there was a famine in the land, Vayihi and Vayihi, They'll say it's because uh, when there is a a hunger for Torah, there's also a hunger for welfare and and vice versa. And there was no welfare because people were judging the judges and not accepting proper judgment. And therefore, they weren't accepting Torah. And therefore, there was also a famine in the land. So the first verse of this book starts out a little bit rough, right? It was the days of the judging of the judges. There was a famine in the land. A person left or went from Bethlehem, Judea. Bethlehem, Yehuda is, is a region and a town. Bethlehem is a, is a city, the city of Bethlehem, as we talked about. It's still here today in the uh, uh, province of Judea, but more correctly in the tribe of Judea in this case. Uh, and seemingly he left. Where is he going? Well, he went Lagur Bizde Moab. He went to live in the field of Moab. The field means, I guess it's a plentiful field. And it's Moab, you know, it's, uh, it's across the mountains. And who left? He and his wife and his two sons. They're, na- they're nameless at this point, right? A guy leaves uh, to live outside of the land of Israel. Well, things are bad, right? It makes kind of sense. But the sages and the Midrash sees it kind of differently. He wasn't just a guy. He, in fact, was one of the guys. He was a great leader and a judge amongst the people. But he saw that the situation was bad, and he didn't want to share in their lot. He wanted out. Either he didn't want to share in his wealth, or maybe he didn't want to, you know, maybe he just wanted to leave because it, times were bad. But his na- we're going to see in a minute, his name is Eli Melech. His name is God is my king. Or my God, uh, 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 my God is king. I mean, he's a, supposed to be an important dude. And, and in fact, they're going to basically say that he was a, a very important dude. Uh, and somehow he decides to, to leave the land. He makes a kind of bad call. 
Medrash is going to say that in other places, when people come into the land of Israel, it says about every single donkey that they brought in. But here, as he's leaving the land, nobody is counting his uh, possessions. It doesn't really matter. And the Medrashes really wax very harsh against uh, Boaz, excuse, excuse me, against Elimelech for, we'll learn in a second that his name is Elimelech, for leaving the land of Israel. This is like a, this is a bad thing that happens. One reason or another, times are hard and this guy's out. And, and he's going to be not blessed, uh, to say it in the, in the kind of language of root. He's not blessed. And it says, verse 2, V'shem ha'ish Elimelech, V'shem ishto Naomi. Okay, so his name is Elimelech, beautiful name. And his wife's name is Naomi, also a very beautiful name, because Naim comes from the word, you know, uh, pleasantness. V'shem shnei banav machlon v'chilion efratiim mi'beit lechem Yehuda. And the, the names of the two sons are machlon and chilion, and they are uh, Ephratim, they're, they're Ephratians. Uh, Ephratites, Ephratites, uh, which really means that either they're from the town of Ephrat, because Beit Lechem Ephrat is is one name, or it means that they are Ephratim, which means important people. They come from Beit Lechem Yehuda, so it's telling you that's where they're really from. They're not from the field of Moab. They're really from Beit Lechem Yehuda, Bethlehem in Judea, or in Judah. Vayavoz de Moab vayusham. Uh, they came to the field of Moab, and they were there. Uh, there's a kind of heaviness to that end of that verse. They kind of settled. They were there in Moab. All right? So the Medrash says, why does it say twice? We already knew that they're from Bethlehem, Judea. And this, this is a very uh, a tight text. Why do we need to be expressive yet again of the fact that these guys are from Beth- Bethlehem, Beit Lechem, Yehuda? And says the Medrash, the Lekach Tov says, why does it say twice? He forgot the good land that he left from there. And there are many, many Midrashim that basically say they forgot the good land and they were cursed. And suddenly, already in verse 3, the, the drama thickens very quickly. First, we were had the judgment of the, of the judges. We had a man leave. Uh, we, we, we were told his family. And boom. Who in Elimelech died. The husband of Naomi, he died. She was left with her two sons. Okay, so uh, bad things uh, starting to happen very quickly. Verse 4, These two boys married Moabite women. The first, the, first one's one, the first one's name was Orpah, and the second one is Ruth. They sat there uh, about 10 years. So they were there with uh, Ruth and Orpah, and they were there for 10 years. Um, uh, the Medrash says if, if the father was alive, he wouldn't have married, let them intermarry. And, and, and in other places, it says basically that they didn't convert them. They actually married out, okay? What are we, guys, what are, we, what are we stuck on here? We understand what happened. They left the land of Israel and they intermarried out. They tried to meld into a different host society. They became Moabites. Okay, Moabites. Yes, we the 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 text says that they came from Bethlehem, but in the end they became Moabites. And they were there ten years. The name Orpah it sounds in Hebrew a little bit harsh. It sounds like Oref, which means the back of the neck. And, and root is has a as a uh, as a more pleasant sound. 
in Hebrew, and the Medrash says this. It says uh, one's name was Orpah, that she turned her uh, neck to her mother-in-law. We'll see that soon. And the other one says Ruth, who saw the truth of her uh, mother-in-law's words. In any case, they were there for 10 years, and they didn't have children with these women. And that is generally a, a period that's considered when you kind of, uh, if you didn't have children for 10 years uh, as a couple, then something has to change. And here again, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says in the Midrash, in, excuse me, here in the Gemara and Baba Batra, he says, Elimelech, Machlon, Vechilion, Gdolei Hadorayu. These three men, Elimelech and his two sons, Machlon, Vechilion, were indeed uh, the top people of that generation. Uh, and why were they punished? They left the land of Israel for outside of the land of Israel. So they were punished for that. Uh, how were they punished? Who died? Both of these uh, boys that became men died. So basically three men in her life passed away. Uh, and so the, the, the men folk, and we never hear a word for them from them, not a word, um, they're, you know, a few verses in, they're already dead. So something that they did uh, was not very pleasant in the eyes of the Lord. It doesn't say that their actions weren't pleasing in the eyes of the Lord, but you can infer that from the text. <laughs> they were just chopped out, summarily taken out. Uh, and the woman was left f- missing her sons and her husband, her two sons and her husband. So she's bereft. She is now uh, without, uh, without, without the men in her life. So suddenly this book, uh, away from being a kind of man-led book, you know, the man took the family down and these two men married, they're gone. And suddenly it's a female narrative in the sense that now the question is, what is this woman going to do? So the Tanhuma mentions that uh, these two boys did not uh, pay attention to their father's death. They didn't learn from it. They, they didn't understand that the father's death was a punishment. And they also didn't see that God was punishing them in their, in their uh, they were becoming poorer and poorer, their camels were dying, etc. The measure says that God first strikes at people's stuff, and then he strikes at their bodies. And they weren't paying attention for all those 10 years. Finally, she is uh, without these men who were the impetuses, we sense, to... Uh, for going to Moab, right? The husband took the family to Moab. The boys married two Moabite, Moabite uh, females. Now that kind of period is done, and we're going to see that she's going to feel the pendulum swing the other way. Verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6, And she got up, she and her uh, daughters-in-law, and she begins to return Mizde Moab from the field of Moab, Kishama. Now we hear something completely different. For she had heard, Kishama bizde Moab, Kipakad Hashem et Amo, Latet Lahem Lachem. Because she heard in the field of Moab that Hashem had blessed, chosen, or, or given to his nation to give them bread. The word Pakad is a word that we associate with both Sarah when she was told that she was going to have a child and that she's going to get pregnant, right? And also, pakod pakad 
is the kind of key word, the the uh, the password that that Joseph sent down through the ages until Moses came along and used the password to tell the the elders it's time for the redemption. So it's a redemptive word, and it's also a uh, fertility word, and and the Bible is written in such a way uh, as uh, Rabbi Yitzchak at Shalom talks about many times, one of my teachers, uh, Rabbi Shalom, and he says basically like the Bible is written in a way that it's expected of you to know the rest of the Bible. Like you certainly know the book of Genesis. So when it says, Ki pakad Hashem et amo, latet lahem lachem, that Hashem has, has, uh, has, has, has blessed, commanded, commanded his blessing to his nation, it also means that he has impregnated them in the sense that it's a time of fertility and he is also it's a time of redemption so she hears about it in the field of moab she starts to make her way she's no longer anchored to uh, moab and the other key word here is latet lahem lachem to give them bread well she comes from this from the place of beit lachem right she comes from bethlehem beit lechem and there was no bread in the house of bread. That's what Beit Lechem, Beit Lechem means. There was no bread in the house of bread. But now, uh, there is bread in the house of bread. So it's so something that was empty is now going to be filled. Pay attention to that theme of emptiness being filled. Okay? Uh, verse 7. And again, I remind you, this is a book of action. And so notice, She left the place that she was there. And if you want to use kind of modern psychological language, she, she left that place, man. She's no longer in that place. She, she left the place that she was there. She's coming out of that stupor. She's coming out of that period of, of, of exile, of, of following a, a, a husband who, who took a wrong turn in life. She, she's no longer there. So, she left the place that she was there. Who? She did. But she's not alone. Her two daughter-in-laws are walking with her. And they're walking on the road to return to the land of Judea. The land of Judea. Now, folks, if you don't know, Moab is the mountains across from the Judean mountains. Uh, you can look out the window and see them. There's the, the red mountains of Moab, and they're across the Great Jordan Valley. You could see them. So she's now leaving the field of Moab down below, like across from Jericho type, but a little bit more south, and she's coming up to uh, Judea. Right? Now, but she's got these two daughter-in-laws. Now, these two daughter-in-laws are, are Moabite uh, ladies, uh, at the same time, um, they they have been with her for ten years. But do they belong with her on her long trek? Moreover, and here's another subtext: Do they fit back? Even though they've been together for ten years, do, are they going to fit back in Judea? Maybe they should just go back to Mob, who they really were. Verse eight. So, so uh, I want to say that we are now finally getting some narration. No, we're getting some, some, some verbal action coming out from these people. So far, it's been like walking and dying and, 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 and starting to walk back. 
but we haven't heard anybody talk. So this is the first verse of talking. So Naomi says to her two daughter-in-laws, Lechna, go, my daughters, Shovna, return. Return to where you belong. Isha levet ima, a daughter to her mother's house. Yas now, now she's going to give the first of many, many blessings in this book. She says, listen, go back. And she says, may God, and now we, we suddenly get G-D, right? We got the Tetragrammaton, we got God's full name uh, thrown out here. And, 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 and how is it being used? May God do with you kindness as you did with the dead and with me. You were kind. You were kind. You walked with me. You were good to my boys. You probably buried them properly, although we didn't hear about that. And 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 so I, I bless you. Thank you for your goodness till now. And 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 that's that's my blessing. So when I take out the name of God out of my uh, pocket, I'm going to use it only uh, a, a, as a source of blessing. Okay. And that's really the first the first phrase in this whole book is like, go back, but may God bless you and give you. Uh, 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 kindness as you did kindness to me. And we, we learn also from here that the blessings, when you do kindness to others and to the dead, you get kindness returned to you. Uh, but the bottom line is that the name of God is used as a blessing. And she continues, and she says in the verse 9, Ye ten Hashem lechem, may God give you, again the tet- tetragrammaton, God's four-letter name, may God give you umetzena and you should find menucha isha beit isha. May you find comfort and peace and rest, a, a woman in the house of her husband. Vatishaklehen, and she kissed them. Vatisena kolan vatifkena, and they raised their voice and they cried, at the risk of sounding in any way uh, uh, kind of not a modern person. I'm just pointing out this is a very feminine text. She blesses them to find peace in a husband's house, in a, in a new husband's house. She kissed them. And at, at the same time, it wasn't just shaking hands and finishing the deal. They, they all raised their voice and they cried. And they cried. By the way, where is this happening? And this I, I learned from Rav Citrin many years ago in the old city. And I'll never forget this, this thing that he taught us, which is this is on a, on a, on a, um, on a dirt road, right? A non-paved dirt road. We're talking more than 3,000 years ago, 3,100 years ago, 3,200 years ago. And there's three women on a dirt road between Moab and Judea and Judah. And yet these three women who are totally bereft of everything, their husbands are dead, they have no children, what's their future? They have to start everything anew. And, they're, and you know, there's a measure that says that they're barefoot and they're destitute and they're broken and they're nobodies. And yet the Bible is recording every word, there, every holy word that passes is recorded and is important. So, so this teaches us a lesson. Who knows where our important moments are? But, so they say to her, so they, they all raised their voice and cried, They said, they said to her, they, retur- they retorted back to her, no, we're going to return with you to your nation but Naomi retorts back to them. So now we got a lot of talking, right? They're, they say to her, no, we're going to return with you. We're going to go all the way. She says, no, return my daughters. 
למה תלכנה אימי? Why should you go with me? העוד לי בנים במאי? Do I have any more children in my innards? והיו לכם לאנשים? That would be to you husbands. Shovna, next verse. Shovna bnotai, return my daughters. This is the third time she has told them, return my daughters. Lachen, ki zakanti miyot leish. I am too old to be with a man. Ki amarti, yesh li tikva. For I said to myself, do I have hope? Gam haiti halayla. If even tonight I was with a man, leish, gam haiti halayla leish, vegam yalati banim. And do I even have hope that tonight I would be with a man? that tonight I would, uh, and that I would uh, uh, give birth to, to sons, maybe I'll have daughters, and who knows. But in any case, next verse, will they really go to you until they will grow up? For these boys that, that theoretically I should have, to, if I was with a man tonight and I should uh, get, uh, become pregnant, will you wait for these boys? And for them, should you... Uh, be anchored, libilti hayot leish, not to be uh, with with a different man, not to find an, another mate. Alpenotai, don't my daughters kimarli meod mikem, for you are very bitter to me. Oh, that's a maybe that's the uh, the zinger, the negative zinger here in this book. You, it's very bitter for me to see you. because because the hands of God has come out against me, and when I see you. I see the hand of God that really took out my husband and my two sons, and I'm, I'm a loser. I'm broken. I'm poor. I'm with nobody. So do me a favor. Let me go on my own path. You guys go back. You know, make a life. You still can. Why not? Uh, the other thing I want to say about these verses, I was always troubled by these verses because this, uh, this depiction of, like, if I would be with a man tonight— and then I would have children, and then will they be for you? It seems a little, I would say, long-winded. It seems a little like there's a lot of verses about, like, if I could, you know, find a mate and, and bear children, all that kind of, like, what is this all about? And, and I think it really goes with the theme of, of, of fertility and the yield of the field. We have fields here. We have the house of bread. We have the field of Moab. We have a woman who's bereft of her children. Um... And we'll see more of that later on. And she goes through the whole process of saying, I am a barren vessel. That's what she's saying. There's no chance for me to have that union, to have that fertility. And she's really spelling it out for us. She's really spelling it out for us. Like there's no chance. And if I would be uh, uh, depicted like the earth, then I'm a barren earth. And I'm returning kind of to retire back in Bethlehem but I really don't have anything in me to give anymore. And so to the land of Israel that I left was a barren land, was a destitute land, and that's why we left, and, and, and I'm coming back to this thing. And I, she doesn't yet know that there is a new future, a new light for her in the future. That's, that's, part of, that's a big part of this book. She, at this point, is in her lowest ebb. She's now going to come back, and she's going to be embarrassed embarrassed and she's going to look in the mirror here's what i left here's here's what happened to me and i'm coming back with nothing i'm not even like one of these israelis who goes out and makes a lot of money in in the diaspora or outside of the land of israel and comes back i'm coming back totally broken and totally empty and i have no future that's the tenor of the verses so far uh, 
and they raised their voices and they cried some more. But Vatishak Orpa Lchamota. However, at this point, Orpa kisses her mother-in-law. This is a kiss goodbye, as in parting is such sweet sorrow. It's uh, it's 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 so sad. But okay, I accept your words. And and she kissed her uh, mother-in-law, and she's saying goodbye. However, Varut Davkaba, but Ruth cleaved onto her. She cleaved her. Now this word cleave. Is is a word of uh, of a relationship to God. It's cleaving to God. It's really like gluing onto God. She glued herself onto her. The word is in Hebrew. We say dvekut or dvekus, right? Like 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 really having a yearning and a cleaving onto God. Uh, so so we're having a, a, a dramatic moment here. We're having a dramatic split. Orpah is now turning away. And by the way, it doesn't say that she turned away. It just says vatishak orpah She kissed her. But then, but then we learn from Ruth's action, Verut Davkaba, but Ruth cleaved onto her, as in the other girl did not. Uh, Orpah left, left the scene. And the very rich Midrashim uh, uh, about what happens to Orpah, first thing that she takes steps with her, her mother-in-law uh, is counted for her, and therefore she's going to have sons that are, if she took four steps or had four tears, then she's going to have four giant sons, and one of them is going to be Goliath. Okay, and she's going to be kind of rewarded for cleaving onto her mother, uh, mother-in-law, even a little bit. But still, though, that kiss is a kiss of turning away. Moreover, uh, there's some very graphic and 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 and, and kind of uh, you know intense midrashim that say basically when she turned around and went back to Moab that night, well, she had a big party. Okay, because she totally turned away from whatever Jewish uh, culture that she received uh, in her marriage to Machlon, and K- in the marriages to, to Machlon, or Machlon and Kilian. I don't remember which one married which, but probably Machlon. Uh, and so in any case, uh, she throws all of that off and and kind of like goes, you know, goes nuts. And she, she has that crazy kind of, kind of uh, uh, bacchanalia party. And, and I think the sages are there to say, look, there was two pathways here. One was go back to Moab and be a Moabite, and one was Ruth's way. And Ruth here is, have we heard a, a word from Ruth? We have heard nothing from her, nothing. And in fact, here, she doesn't say anything. She just cleaves onto her. Her mother-in-law has now told her three times, and we learn from here that, here that you're really supposed to tell the convert kind of three times, you know, don't, don't do this, don't stick with us, we don't, we don't need you, we don't want you. But if we see that a, that a convert is, is indeed cleaving onto the nation and cleaving onto God, that's when we start to let them in. So we have a situation where Ruth is cleaving onto her mother-in-law. She hasn't said a word. So Vatomer. Now here we, we guess, that kind of it doesn't tell us, but we guess that it's Noomi who says, Vatomer, hine shava yavimtech el ama. Here, your your sister-in-law returned to her nation, ve'el Eloheha, notice, and to her God, meaning to say she has returned away from the God of Israel. I have blessed you in the name of the God of Israel, but Ruth, but no, but Orpah has returned back to her nation and to her God. Uh, please keep in mind this this uh, this um, unity between nation and God, and also notice that it's nation first, then God. Right? Notice that. Uh, uh, nation and God are things that go together. Uh, there's a national and religious component, not a separation of church and state, but actually they, they come together. And in fact, 
and this is where, where some kind of ultra-Orthodox outlooks don't always match, the nation comes before even God here, right? And we'll see that again. So she, the other gal, she went back to her nation and to her God, Shuvi Acharei Why don't you now return after your uh, sister-in-law? Okay, so return, uh, return, follow your sister-in-law. She's smart. Why don't you do what she did? She went back to her nation, her God, and that's where you're from just as much as she is. So sayonara, go that way. And here we're going to have the first phrase from Ruth. Vatomerut al tivgi'ibi. Says Ruth, don't, don't insult me, don't injure me, don't push me, don't hurt me. It's, there's many ways to translate this word. But, but don't injure me. Don't hit me. La'azvech, to leave you. Another, in, in modern nomenclature, stop bugging me to leave you. L'shuv me'achorayach, to turn my back to you. And here it comes, one of the most famous and most dramatic of all biblical phrases. Ki el asher telchi elech. For where you go, I shall go. Ube'asher talini, alin. Where you sleep, I shall sleep. Amech ami, your nation is my nation. Ve'elohaich elohai. And your God is my God. So notice, uh, I will go with you. In walking, I will go with you in sleeping. I will go to your nation and I will go to your God. And she keeps going. Ba'asher tamuti amut, where you die, I shall die. Vesham ekaber, and that's where I shall be buried. Ko yaase Hashem li vecho Yosef. So shall God do to me. And this is in the name of the Tetragrammaton, God's name. She's not using the names of the Moabite gods. She says, So shall God do to me, and so he shall increase. Ki hamavet yafrid Because only death shall separate between me and you. So this is uh, clearly one of the most dramatic phrases in the whole Bible. And... Uh, there's a lot of halachic implications about how we accept converts from the, these phrases. But lit- for, for the literary purpose that we're studying today, uh, the bottom line is that she says, I'm not leaving you, I'm not going to be separated from you, and I'm joining your nation and your God. Now, one of my favorite phrases in the whole Bible after this phrase is the phrase that exactly follows this phrase, which is the following. And she says, to her after hearing this super dramatic phrase, phrasing together, this, this incredible, you know, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. It says, Vatere and, and Naomi saw that she is trying to walk hard. She's walking hard after her. Excuse me, let me read it again. So she saw that she is trying hard to walk with her. She stopped talking to her. She stopped bugging her. Now, to me, this is an incredible phrase because it either means one of two things. It either means, and in both cases, we have to learn a big lesson from it. It either means that after this, these big phrases, she didn't pay attention to any of these phrases, but she saw that she was walking with her. The big declarations didn't matter, but she saw, in fact, that she was walking with her, and that's what really counted. Or even more dramatic is that it could be that these previous phrases that we just heard were really not said out loud. It could very well be. It's, it, it says, 
Ruth said, maybe she said it in her heart, saying, don't, don't try to dissuade me. I'm walking with you forever. And then Naomi didn't actually see, uh, didn't actually hear, excuse me, didn't actually hear any of these words, but she saw that she was trying hard to walk with her. And that's what really counted. Either case, the bottom line is uh, that those were amazing dramatic phrases from Ruth. And Naomi in the end says, yeah, great. But in the end, what really counts is are you taking that step? And to me, what I really think is that is that Ruth, in her heart, said these things. She declared that that's, that's my inner truth, that I'm going to walk with you forever. And she just kept walking. In any case, uh, we're coming close now to the end uh, of chapter 1. A few more phrases. And she says, um, and it says, chapter nine, uh, uh, verse 19, ad bo'ana beit lechem. They walked together the two of them, until they came to Bethlehem, Beit Lechem. Ve'hi kevo'ana Beit Lechem v'tahom kol ha'ir alehem v'tomana hazot Naomi. And when they came into Bethlehem, the whole city was, was, um, was, uh, was to- moved, was, was shocked. There was, there was a hubbub. There was a to-do, right? But we also learn from the Song of Songs that that my my innards were were moved when I heard my lover knock on the door. So there's again a kind of a female uh, sensation here, which is like, the, you know, the innards kind of crutched up. You know, uh, what what is this thing that happened? In any case, uh, the whole city uh, asks one v'tomarna. The city in female, by the way, v'tomarna, like not v'yomru v'tomarna. The women of the city said, "Hazot Naomi." Is this Naomi? Is this the Naomi that left all those years ago? Is that the same lady? And is this the person who's now back? Is she coming back to live with us? What, what is this? Hazot Naomi. Very powerful words. Is this Naomi? Vatomer elehen. She said to them, Al tikre'enna. Again to the ladies. She says, Do not call me because... In Hebrew, you can uh, distinguish between the genders who she's speaking to. She says, do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Keranali, please, ladies, call me Mara. Call me bitter. Ke ki hemar shadai li me'od. Because God has embittered for me very, very greatly. But the letters, Shin Yud, Shaddai, that's one of the God's names. That's a name that's almost always associated with fertility. Okay? Uh, this is the kind of mailbox of God in the fertility department. All right? So she says, because that aspect of God, of fertility, has been very bitter to me. Of course he has. And she keeps going. Ani halachti. I left full. Verekam hashivani, but I've returned empty. Midrash says, and there, I love this Midrash. Mlea halachti bevanim, umlea bevanot. Davracher ani mlea halachti shaiti muubert. I left full. Not only did I have two sons and a husband, I was actually pregnant. Uh, says this is a Midrash. So uh, she says, I left full, and now I have returned empty. Remember what I said to you before. This whole soliloquy about if I would be married to a man tonight. Uh, would I, you know, would I have something? No, I am a barren land. So she says, and I have returned empty. Um, 
Hashem has returned me empty. Why should you call me pleasant? But God, he uh, answered me or, retur- or returned to me what I, what my recompense. Veshadai herali, and the God, the 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 mailbox of fertility, the God aspect of fertility has done bad for me. Okay, I I need to take a quick pause here and say that that the word ra, okay, the word ra is is associated with another two boys that died, and that's the two boys that died. Um, uh, er veonan, er veonan, the two uh, sons of. Uh, Batshua, the wife of Judah in the book of Genesis in Parshat Vayeshev, right? So she also had two sons, and these two sons were killed uh, because they were naughty and God did not like their behavior. And instead comes Tamar and uh, does an act in order to uh, seduce and trick uh, Judah, the original founder of the tribe of Judah, uh, into having children. And the whole thing was like two sons bitterly died, but at the same time, the seed of Judah kept going. So, so and and there it said that they had done bad in the eyes of God. So here you get the sense that like there's been Veshadai Herali. He did a bad thing to me, or he did an evil to me. But also he did like what happened to Er Veonan, which was bad in the eyes of God. Okay, Er by the way is the word Ra spelled backwards. Okay, uh, we have a famous phrase there, right? Uh, that 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 Er did bad in the eyes of God, and it says like the Er. Uh, did evil in the eyes of God. That word evil is exactly the opposite of how that uh, how his name is said. There's only one other verse like that in the whole Bible, which the reaction of God is the op- is the same letters but backwards of the person's name, and that is Noach. When Noach matzachen Hashem, Noach found favors in the eyes of God. Interesting stuff there. Uh, in any case, she comes into town. Naomi comes into town. Everybody's like, "Is this Naomi?" And she's like, "Don't call me Naomi." Call me bitter, because God has embittered for me, and there's really nothing. There's nothing awesome for me to talk about here. Uh, go about your business, because you know I I'm uh, I got messed up. Vatashev root Amoavi Vatashev Noemi. So Noemi returned with what though? She's got not only is she barren, she's got root Hamoavia. Kalata ima. She has her daughter-in-law, the Moabitess. So I've come back empty, and I've also brought back this root, the Moabite princess. And you're not even supposed to bring a Moabite into the camp of Israel like this. You're not supposed to. Uh, uh, you know what is she going to do? She can't convert. She shouldn't be here. This is a problem. So They returned from the field of Moab. And they came into the, the, the Bethlehem, Beit Lechem, in the house of, uh, in, in the land of Israel and Judea. Exactly during the beginning of the barley harvest. Okay, so it's telling us what time is this happening. This is going to relate to us later on to why we read this during um, uh, Shavuot. But anyway, case, Ruth is in bad sh- uh, excuse me, Noemi is in bad shape. She's coming back empty, and she's also brought this Moabite princess. Uh, and I keep saying the word princess. We we don't we don't uh, know that from the text. But the Medrashim say that indeed she is the daughter of Eglon, that she is a beautiful Moabite princess of very high uh, ranking. And and this beauty part of Ruth is a problem. She is attractive. She is she is uh, you know wearing the proverbial red dress. She is somehow standing out, and she's an other. 
she is an other here and even a problematic other. So Root, so Nomi, thanks a lot. You, you, you left the land of Israel and now you came back and now you're, you're probably on welfare. You want welfare from us. And you brought us this, this, this problem person into the camp. Uh, Noemi, you're a real mess up. All right, so that's that's the setup. So that was chapter one. Let's just go directly to chapter two. Chapter two, chapter two, verse one. Ule Naomi, how? Okay, so that's 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 settled. So she left, she came back, and now she's in town in Bethlehem. Ule Naomi, moda leish ish gibochayel. Excuse me. Lo Noemi moda leisha ish gibochal. So Noemi had a uh, acquaintance, but it's really a family member uh, for the husband, and he was a successful man or a man of war. But really, in this case, a man, uh, a, a successful, a big shot, a, a businessman, a, an important person uh, in in Bethlehem. Rashi says moda, which is karov. Okay, ben achiv shel Elimelech Haya. He was the 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 son of the brother of her husband, okay? So she, he's one generation down. He is the generation of her sons, right? He should be a colleague of her sons that are now dead, and therefore he's a colleague of uh, Ruth, right? Uh, although there's different midrashim about the age, but in any case, according to this Rashi, he's ben achiv shel Elimelechaya. Rashi continues and he says uh, that you should know that the sages say that Elimelech, and Salmon, which is a name we'll see later, uh, who's the, he's the father of Boaz. So Elimelech and his brother Salmon, which is the father of Boaz, and Ploni on Mo- Moni, which we'll meet later, um, and the father of Naomi as well, Kulan Bnei Nachshon Ben Aminadav. They're all the sons of one father, which is Nachshon Ben Aminadav, the famous uh, prince of Judah from the Bible, from the from from. Uh, uh, from the book of, uh, famously, uh, he's, he appears in the book of Exodus and also in the book of uh, Numbers, Nachshon uh, ben Aminadav, right? Actually, I'm not sure, he, no, he does appear, in the, of course he does, he appears right in the beginning uh, of the book of Numbers uh, as the flag bearer. So, so you have here, like, a, it's a family, it's a very important family, they're all coming from the super important head of the tribe of Judah. Um... And then Rashi adds, however, um, everything is all good that you have a great lineage, but when you leave the land of Israel, that lineage does not, does not protect you. And that's what happened. In any case, we are now getting introduced to a new character, a male character, okay? And so, so far we've been bereft of males and, 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 and they're dead and she comes back into the land and all the women are like, what's going on? And then she tells them this bitter story. It's like a very women discussion, but suddenly there's this man character and he is a ish gibor chayl, right? He is a, he's an ish, he's a man, he's a gibor, which is also male. Uh, and he's a, a hero, a strong one, and he's he's part of Chayel, which is you know armed and 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 fighting or business victories, and he is mimishpachat Elimelech. He's from the family of Elimelech. Ushma Boaz, and his name is Boaz. Even the name Boaz is a very male name. Even in just just listening to that Boaz, it's like a kind of male name, and it has the word Az, which is which is uh, brazenness and strength. Boaz is like the coming of strength. It's it's a great, strong Jewish name. Now, 
Uh, so he lives in town. He's in town. And he's family. Fine. Now, Ruth, not just Ruth, but here she's Ruth the Moabitess. She's a stranger here. And so she's identified by the text as she was identified in, in Bethlehem here, here in town, in Bethlehem, uh, as a Moabitess. So she's the other. So Vatomeruta Moavial Noami, this is uh, 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 chapter 2, verse 2. Root, the Moabitess, says to Noami, saying, Elechna Asadeh, let me go to the field, Velaktabashibolim, and let me gather uh, the stalks, Acharasherem Sachen Ba'inav. After anybody who is going to find, I'm going to find favor in, in their eyes, Vatomarla, and, 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 and Noami says to her, Go ahead, my daughter. But the bottom line is that she's going now to the fields because there's a custom in in the Jewish world that, and not a custom, it's a law that if somebody uh, is harvesting and they drop uh, uh, one of the sheaths, uh, one of the stalks, excuse me, they're not supposed to pick it up and let the paupers pick it up after them. But she also says, whoever I find favor in their eyes. Now, again, the subtext here is root is an other that doesn't belong, and yet she's also very beautiful. She's the proverbial lady in red, and there's a problem there, right? So who's going to find, like, what, what young man you're going to catch uh, the, his fancy, and for what reasons? So verse 3. So we have, we have a tension that's set up there, right? The tension is of a foreign lady, a beautiful foreign lady, uh, in the land of Israel, a land that searches for purity, and yet she's going to go now and get some free uh, free food uh, from somebody who's going to like her, and there's a tension that's set up there. Vatelech v'tavo v'teleket. And she went, and she came, and she gathered. Besadeh achar kotzrim. In the field after the 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 reapers. V'yiker mikrech elkata sadeh. However, there was a happenstance, uh, uh, an occurrence, a quote-unquote coincidence in the uh, part of the field, in, the, in which field, in the owned field. And it happened, coincidentally, that it was Le Boaz, it was the field that she got to, was Boaz's field, Asher mi Mishpachat Elimelech, who's from the family of Elimelech. So it could have been any field, but she got to his field. She didn't do it. It was unbeknownst to her. Vehine Boaz, and here comes Boaz, Bami Beit Lechem. He comes from town to the fields. And when you say Beit Lechem and, and you're a Bible reader, immediately Beit Lechem means the tomb of Rachel, right? So he, went for, he came from Beit Lechem. He came from town, but also he came from the tomb. Of, to, to me, it's like, okay, you know, what do you do in Beit Lechem? You pray at the tomb of Rachel. Of course, it's, 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 a, it's a town. And here he comes. I mean, on, on the on the on the on the plain level, he you know probably sold goods or, or did his business in town. Now he's coming out to the fields, and he says, "Now we get him talking, right? He's here's our first male uh, voice." Vayomer lakotzrim, and he says to the the shears, the the people working in the fields, Hashemi Machem. Very famously, the Sephardic world uses this this very day. He comes out and he says, "God is with you." What is this? Well, they say that Boaz wanted to bring uh, godliness into the world, and he wanted to use uh, the blessing of God's name in regular conversation. So the way he would he would he would uh, re- reach out to people, he would say, "God is with you," and they would answer, "Vayom and they would say, uh, uh, "May God bless you." 
So we say, Shalom Aleichem, bless peace unto you. Aleichem Shalom, unto you is peace, right? Uh, and peace is also the name, Shalom is also one of the names of God. And, you know, the, and, and the Vulcans, you know, live long and prosper. Uh, that's the second part. What's the first part of that verse uh, of, of, the, uh, of the Vulcan saying? Um, peace and long life. And then he says, live long and prosper. Okay. So he says, Hashem God is with you. And they say, uh, uh, may God bless you. That is the way that, that Boaz institutes conversational godliness. And the Baal Shem Tov, who's also uh, born and passes away on, on, uh, on Shavuot, and, and we celebrate him as, as well as we celebrate King David, um, he too uh, was very concerned with this idea of bringing godliness into normal conversation. And he instituted, according to the Baal Shem Tov tales, the term, how are you doing? You'd say, Baruch Hashem, blessed is God. So he, t- he takes it right from here. There's a relationship. In any case, Vayomer, so Boaz came in from the field. He addresses everybody. So the first thing we know about Boaz is the first thing he says is that he's a blesser. That's what he is. He's a blessing guy. Vayomer Boaz and now the second thing that he says. Vayomer Boaz Boaz says to his servant or, or, uh, or to his, um, really to his uh, man, his, his manager, his field manager. How do we know? Because it says, Hanitzavala Kotsrim. The guy was in, he's standing on top of the uh, shears. He's in charge of the shears. He's his man in the field. Hazot. Who's, to who is this girl? What is this girl doing here? Who does she belong to? What's her deal? And the, the rabbis are like, wait a minute, why is he asking this? Now, the simple reader will say, well, she is, again, as I said to you before, it doesn't say this explicitly, but she's attractive. And if she's not attractive, minimally she is different. That's for sure, because she's a Moabitess. Uh, but the sages say, no, no, you know, he saw in her a different way of behaving. Her behavior is somehow different. It's more, here's, here's, the, here's the surprise part. It's actually filled with, with uh, honor and, and humility uh, and, not, and not a provocative type of behavior. So he says to, to his guy, he says, who is this gal? And this, this uh, man who's in charge of the, of the shears says, He says, she is a Moabite gal. She is a, a, a Moabite young lady. So that's not so good because the word Moab is like saying the word, you know, enemy, right? It's not exactly a good word. However, Hashava Imnaami that returned with Naomi, Mizde Moab from the field of Moab. So she's, a, she's like a, a she, she was brought home uh, like a stray. However, he keeps going, and this is the surprising part. Vatomer, Vatomer, and he says about her, this, this manager, field manager, says, She said, I will go, and, and he, he puts words in her mouth saying, I shall uh, gather uh, the, st- uh, the stocks uh, after the shears. And she has been standing and working from the morning. Until now. Now she's finally sitting down. What he's saying is, she's not just uh, she's not sitting there all day. She's been working hard. She's been working hard collecting. She's not asking for any handouts. She is she is do she's following the customs and she's not lazy. That you see her now sitting down, it's it's really her first break. So so whoever this guy is, uh, and this is an interesting kind of sub conversation, he speaks good 
of Ruth. He tells the truth. Yes, she is a Moabitess, but she ain't lazy. And, and she's been working all day. And now she's finally sitting down just to rest a little bit. She's a hard worker. And, and he kind of, it's certainly not a, not a bad report. It's a good report. And now uh, Boaz, uh, not too shy, Boaz says to Ruth, Hello, Shamat Biti. Did you not hear my daughter? So this is their first interchange. Did you not hear my daughter? And this is a language of endearment and a language of respect. Did you not hear my daughter? Don't go to a different field. Don't don't go don't leave to this field. Also do not pass. Mizeh, do not pass this place. You cleave to my uh, to my female uh, helpers, assistants, workers in the field. Keep your eyes in the field. That they're cutting there. Go after them. I've told the, 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 the servants, the helpers, the boys, not to touch you. And if you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink. One second. From what the boys will um, draw, the water that they'll draw. You can be with us. You don't have to be a stranger. That's his first, you know, walk in this field. Don't go astray. This is your place and drink for what you need. Uh, and, and, and whatever other people work hard, it's okay. You don't have to draw for yourself. It's okay. But he, so so far so far Ruth has been very cool, right? She like says, "I'm not going anywhere. I'm going with you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to leave you." She says that to Naomi, and then she says, "I'm going to go uh, harvest in the fields." And now, but suddenly, there's a different Ruth, and she's and it says we're in chapter two, verse ten. Vatipol al paneha, she fell on her face. Vatishtachu arza, she uh, genuflected. She pro, uh, pro, uh, uh, <laughs> she bowed down fully. Prostrated herself fully, and, and 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 she falls on her face and, and all the way on the ground. and she says to him, "Madua, why?" And this is harkens back to that name, to that word, family, meyuda, right? Madua matzati chen beinecha Why did I find favor in your eyes to recognize me, and I am a stranger? I don't fit here. Why would you be kind to me? Not demanding her rights. Not saying, uh, what is this apartheid? She says, uh, she says I, don't, I don't deserve your kindness. You're being kind to me, and I don't know why you're being kind to me. Uh, why, did you, why would you recognize me? And lakirene also means like, to really understand who I am. What I'm really about. But I'm a foreigner. Boaz said to her, saying, he understands what, she's, what she means. She understands. Boaz, and he answers her. It was told to me. What you did, all that you had have done with your mother-in-law, who is my family, it doesn't say that, but that's what it means. 
אחרי מות אישך, after your husband died, ותעזבי אבי ואימך, and you left your mother and your father, you could have gone back. You could have gone back to Moab like your sister. But you left all that to go with your mother-in-law. You left your mother and your father and the land of your birth, and that harkens back. Of course, of course, it harkens back immediately. Any Bible reader knows this goes back to Abraham. Right? Leave your land. Leave the house of your father to the place I'll show you. That's what you have done, Ruth. You have acted like Abraham. And that, by the way, is maybe another rationale for why Ruth's grave is purported to be in Hebron, because she acted, too, like, like Abraham. She left her father and her mother. She left her homeland to walk after God. And he continues, And you went to a nation, which you didn't know, the, the day before yesterday. You didn't know it. That's a, is, a, is, a, is a way of saying uh, in, from the past, you're not from here, you're not from this. And you know what? Instead of seeing you as being a strange uh, a foreign entity here in the land of Israel, I see you for what you really are. which is a brave and courageous person who wanted to go after your mother-in-law and join this nation. I respect that. I respect what you're really about. Instead of seeing you as just another, instead of just saying, ooh, you know, what do we need her here? Thanks a lot, Naomi. No, I see your courage, and I know the kindness which you showed your husband and your kindness that you showed your mother-in-law. And now he's going to bless. This is the book of blessings. Yishalem Hashem Po'alech. May God bless your handiwork. May your uh, uh, livelihood or more your, your recompense, your, your payment should be full. And say the, the rabbis say immediately, and the sages say, and it's kind of obvious in the text, the word shlema, which means whole, is the same exact letters as Shlomo, the son of King David. May your, may your recompense be Solomon, right? May, at the end of the line. And I mean that literally, the line, your line. Uh, not the end, because uh, uh, David is the beginning, King Solomon, and all the way to, to Messiah, to Mashiach. Me'im Hashem, from God, may he give you full payment for what you've done. Hashem Elohei Yisrael, Hashem God of Israel, Asher bat lachsot tachat knafav, which you came to be ensconced under his wings. And now we've moved from the nation, because before he said, you went to a nation which you didn't know. And then, may God reward you for coming to be protected under his wings. So first it's the nation, you joined the nation, and then you joined our God. And uh, I, I want to say here parenthetically that uh, I was taught an incredible thing Uh, from uh, the Rav Mani II, uh, which was taught to me in Malaise team by Rabbi Sultan. And Rav Mani II was a great French rabbi and thinker, a great one. And he taught something so amazing, it, it really blew the roof of, uh, blew my keep off my head until I had to go get it back. And that is that Root is the uh, Gilgul, the transmigration of, of souls uh, of Yitro. And she has the same letters in their name. Yitro has root in there, except for one extra yud. And basically, there was a big, a big honor that, that Jethro, Yitro, did, and that is that Jethro wanted to join the nation. He wanted to convert. 
But at some point, he leaves the nation, and he goes to try to convert his people, et cetera, et cetera. And, 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 Mo, and Moses tries to stop him and say to him, stick, stick, with, the, stick with us, we need you. And he says, no, 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 I'm going to go back to my nation. Because what Yitro understood was that the way to God is, is through any nation. It's, it's, it's understanding that there's one God, and I could serve God, and I can convert people, and they can become Noahides or all that kind of stuff, and I can go back to any nation and find God there. What he didn't understand is what, and what he didn't fu- fully kind of uh, figure out and, and finish off in his life, which Root had to finish off, which is it's through the nation. First, it's join the nation of Israel, and then it's join the God of Israel. And that's what we see over and over again, that you join the nation and then you join the God. And this is what Jethro missed out. He, he could have joined the nation, but he joined God. But he didn't understand that it was going to be through the agency of the Jewish people. So uh, you have here uh, uh, Boaz recognizing the heroism of Root. And if you want to see it a different way, it's like Moses, and, and, and he says, welcome, Jethro, welcome to our peoplehood, stick with us and don't leave. And that is what uh, Boaz is telling Ruth, stick with us, stick with the nation, don't leave, stick with my shears, stick with my field, and, and your reward will be great. And, and notice also, it's all blessings, it's all a book of blessings. Verse 13, Vatomer. May I find, she says, may I find favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have consoled me. How much pain has this girl been in? You spoke onto the heart of your handmaiden. But I will not be just like one of your servant girls. I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to be just anybody. You'll see. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to make you proud of me. Vayomer la Boaz leet haochel kshi halom, and he told her. And Boaz said to her when the time when it was time to eat, walk over there. Vachat min alechem, eat from the bread. Vetavat pitech b'chometz, and and sit with basically dip your bread in the uh, oh what's it called the vinegar, and the rabbis are like, you see, vinegar is good for the heat. Um, I, I love how like sometimes we just learn the most practical stuff. It's like, oh, you live in Beth- Bethlehem? It's hot outside? Have some vinegar. Uh, dip your bread. And this is the house of bread. This is Beit Lechem. So you can eat of the bread, right? V'achalt min alechem. I want you to eat from the bread. V'tavalt pitech b'chometz. And dip your pita in the uh, in in the uh, vinegar. V'teshev mitzad ha-kotzrim. She sat uh, to the side of the shears. And he gave her a portion. She ate. She um, was sated. And she had left over. She was sated with little. She didn't need too much. And she was able to keep whatever she had over. Because you know what? Back at home, there's somebody else who's hungry. That's Naomi. Vatakam Lilkot. So after she, uh, so she's getting to kind of be friendlier with the people and and more normalized. He's normalizing her. That's what's happening here. He tells her you can drink. Everybody has to drink. You're gonna die if you don't drink. But I also want you to eat. I want you to cut from the bread, the joint bread. I want you to dip it in the joint, in the joint dish. Right. That's the Middle East style of eating. I want you to dip your bread in the joint uh, dish of like oil and zatar, and in this case, it's uh, chometz, which is. Uh, 
I, I keep on forgetting this word because it's just not something that I that I like to eat so much, but vinegar. Uh, so he's he is normalizing her into society. He's bringing her in. Vatakam lilkot. So now she gets up back to uh, to gather. Vitzav Boaz et narav So Boaz tells his uh, his boys, his his workers, saying, "Gam bein haomarim tilaket velo tachlimua." Let her gather between the the sheaths. Don't give her a hard time. The sheaths, I don't know, sheaves, sheaves. Uh, don't give her a hard time. Don't say anything to her. Don't embarrass her. Don't embarrass her. So, so he's not only is he normalizing her psychology, he's normalizing the other people to start accepting her as part of normal Bethlehem society. Vigam shol tosholu la mina tzvatim vazavtem velekta veloti garuba. Right. Also, pull out some for her uh, uh, of, on purpose from the bundles. And leave it, and let her glean, and rebuke her not. Okay, meaning to say, uh, I I actually know that she is not just collecting for herself. I've got this this kind of sister-in-law, or my my aunt. It's actually my aunt, and I want to make sure that she eats as well. But I don't want to embarrass her, so make sure that Ruth gets a lot. Okay, so she gathered in the field until the evening. So let's let's just understand right now here in Israel, here in Bethlehem, it is hot. It is hot. Okay? So so she has gathered now, she's been in the field all day. And we know, we we've already understood if you're if you're thirsty, you gotta drink, and if you're hungry, you gotta eat. It's hot out there, it's the fields, right? So she gathered, it says Vatilaket, She gathered in the field until until the evening. She then she then took it to be threshed, so she can take home not all the just bundles, but the actual uh, barley. And it was a it was a you know a, a normal amount of efa of of this barley, which is which is a goodly amount to eat. Vatisa she carried it. she came into the city because remember she was in the fields. her mother-in-law saw which she gathered. Vototse and she took and she spread it out. She took it all out. Vatitenla and she gave it to her. So she gave it to her mother-in-law. She whatever she brought home, she gave it to her mother-in-law. She also, I think she also brought her what she actually left over. Remember, we said that, that she left over from actual eating, meaning to say actual baked bread, not just barley, but actually already baked bread. Remember, there's a whole process after you have barley to actually turn it into, into actual bread, and the mother-in-law is hungry. So she brought her, not only did she bring her future food, she also brought her food now, which she, uh, which she left over from her satiation. So her mother's law said to her, Where did you gather today? And where did you do? Where did you, where did you do your business? What, what, how did this all transpire? And she says, Yihi makirech baruch. Whoever recognized you or whoever was your sponsor may be blessed. Again, book of blessings. So she told her mother-in-law, what she did, Imo, with him. And she says, the man that I did it with was Boaz. Now, the way I said that now right now sounded a little provocative, and that's on purpose, because there's something provocative going on here. There is a relationship that's forming, Okay. 
And there's nothing wrong with a relationship unless it's with a Moabitess that you're not even married to. But in any case, the language here is, uh, is, is to be understood in two ways on purpose. It's the one I did business with. It's the one that there was a relationship, a budding relationship. There was interaction there uh, between us. There was something. All right? And she says, the person that I did it with, a CTE Mohayom, was Boaz. So now the gig is up. The name Boaz has been now told. The Tomer Nomi, so Nami says, L'chalata, to her, to her daughter-in-law. Right now she, she is once again a daughter-in-law, not just Ruth, not Ruth the Moabitess, but her daughter-in-law. And maybe there's a marriage here because the word Kalata, daughter-in-law, comes from the word Kala, which is a, which is a bride. So there's a hint of something here, folks. There's something going on. There's there's romance in the air, is there? There's something. There's something in a good, you know, think about Yenta. Think about like a like a Jewish mother. She senses that something's up. So now she says, She says to her daughter-in-law, which is like a bride, Baruch Hu Hashem, blessed he unto God. Which, which he did not leave his kindness from the living and from the dead. This could be either about Hashem or Boaz. Baruch Hu Hashem. Blessed is he to God, Asher Lozav, which did not leave uh, uh, his kindness to the living and to the dead. Who's the he? It could be either Boaz or it could be God. But in any case, God's, God's not forgetting is really coming through Boaz. That's the meaning of this verse, which is like uh, the God remembered and he did it through Boaz. He did not forget the living and the dead. So, I mean, I, you know, if I'm root, I'm like, uh, chill out, mother-in-law. It was just a day in the fields. But, but Naomi is, she, she's seeing stars. She's seeing something else here. And she says, blessed is, she, she, she sees this moment is huge. She understands that he's family. Just, she hears the word Boaz. She's like, blessed is he to God, which would just not leave the, the living and the dead. So Naomi said to her, He is close to us. He is indeed one of our redeemers. So now we're getting into something a little bit like strange. What does it mean, redeemers? Redeemers, I mean, this the, the redemption here is from really the, the, the literal world of redemption, literal meaning of the word redemption, which is like a legal status. Like he's going to redeem us. Uh, and 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 Elimelech's property, uh, and 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 he's going to somehow bring us into a normative status. What does it mean exactly? Redeem us. But in any case, the word redemption is now being thrown out uh, into this discussion. So so Boaz, she recognizes that name. She remembers her 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 nephew Boaz, and she is recognizing that God is doing a miraculous thing here. Okay, so so now, uh, but but Ruth is kind of uh, still still uh, she's still not there. She she doesn't she doesn't quite get it. She's she's being a little bit naive. But but Ruth is still a Moabitess, and she says, So she's like she's reporting to her like everything is normal. She says, "Well, he told me to stick stick with cleave with the boys." Uh, that belong to me, the workers, until we're done with the barley harvest, with this harvest. So that's what he told me to do. So Naomi says to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, the Kala, Tovbiti, 
כי תצאי עם נערותיו, ולא יפגעו בך בשדה Better that you don't stick with the נערים, don't stick with the boys, stick with the girls. ולא יפגעו בך בשדה אחר, and don't let you be struck or found in a different field. Okay, folks, let's, be, let's kind of know what we're talking about. We're talking about the birds and the bees here. We're talking about, you know, an energy in the field out there. And she says, you know what? Listen to what I got to say to you. Better, he told you to stick with, the, with his field workers, but he didn't want to spell it out. What he means is stick with my female workers and don't go to a different field. You're an attractive Moabitess. Don't go out there. And, 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 and Root is still kind of dense about this. So she's like, that's what he told me. So, so, so comes Naomi and explains to her how to properly behave. If you want to make it in Bethlehem, listen to what I'm saying. So she gives her kind of uh, an explanation. Well, you know, uh, Root, with all of her goodwill, is still not from this uh, place exactly. She's from somewhere else. She doesn't understand the Jewish people's subtle concerns. So don't go to a different field. So she indeed cleaved to the uh, female workers of Boaz, and to gather until the end of the barley harvest, and the end of the wheat harvest. And she came back to her mother-in-law. Okay? So, so, so the end of chapter 2 is... They met. There was something there. Naomi understands that there should be something there and she, should, there should be a blessing there and, and it's bigger than what meets the eye. Naomi still doesn't get it. And she needs a little bit of coaching to how to properly behave in Jewish, uh, uh, very, um, you know, a, a, pure, a society that tries to stay sexually pure uh, and modest. So stick with the female workers. And she's like, okay. So she cleaves to the female workers until the end of uh, the uh, wheat harvest, and she returns to her mother-in-law. Fine, that's the end of chapter two. So now we're halfway through the book. And now um, it's time. So, so let's just remember kind of uh, first uh, steps, which is Elimelech, Machlon, Kilion, they go down to, to uh, Noomi, they go down to Moab, and and Elimelech Machlon Kilion die, and and Noami comes back with her two daughter-in-laws, and only Ruth sticks around. Orpah turns around and and becomes goes back to Moab and her god. Ruth cleaves with her, and then they're kind of uh, you know not really totally accepted into society. She's very bitter about what happened to her, and they're 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 hungry, they're destitute. Ruth goes out, and uh, she finds coincidentally, quote unquote. Uh, Boaz's field, Boaz is nice to her. Boaz gives her a few tips, and Naomi explains what he really means is stick just with the ladies. And now we're going to up it a gear. Okay, we're going to up it a gear in chapter three. Uh, chapter three ups it completely uh, to the next level. Because, okay, so you have food and you have some relationship, but it, now it's time to bring it up. The So, verse one, chapter three, verse one. And she said to her, Naomi Chamota, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, so first it was said to her, to Ruth, who said it, Naomi, Biti, my daughter, should I not ask for peace for you? 
that will be that will be uh, uh, good for you. The, the word Manoach reminds us of the word Noach, who who was the great savior uh, of of humanity, and also Manoach, who is the father of Samson, who also started saving the Jewish people. But it also means peace and relaxation. Uh, should I not ask for you some peace and relaxation, some some calmness in this world, some some um, emotional satiation, some 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 uh, peace that will be good to you, that will be good for you. Vata and now vata halo boaz atanu. Is he not our knower? Now the word our knower we said before also means our family, but it also comes from when when Adam knew Eve, right? Know in the biblical sense, but he's our knower. Now, you were before with his female workers. That was during the harvest. The harvest is now done. Uh, is he not tonight uh, with the uh, barley, uh, barley fields? Is he not uh, planting the barley tonight? You know, the, the word is actually, the word zore is not the word zore, excuse me, it's not the word planting, it means winnowing. He's winnowing barley tonight in the threshing floor, meaning to say he is doing a threshing work, right? He's doing the threshing work, and the threshing work is such that you separate the chaff from the uh, whatever, uh, s- separate the, the wheat from the chaff, but in this case the barley from the chaff, but it really means it really means getting to the heart of it all, right? It means really getting to the nut, to what you really need. It means separating the chaff. And in many ways, root is separating the chaff from Moab, right? And immediately we're going to learn that that Naomi is up to a trick. Now, now we got we got these Jewish women who do these tricks, right? We got uh, we got we got Leah and and Rachel, where Rachel was supposed to be married that night, but instead it's Leah. Right? And we're going to meet Leah and Rachel in the story later on. They do a trick. You got the trick of Rivka. Rivka tricks her husband by dressing up her own son as the other son to get the blessings because she knows better. And of course, there's the trick of Tamar, who is tricky and dresses up as a harlot on the side of the road in order to catch the seed of, of Judah. So she's concocting one of these biblical women tricks. Vata, so we said, and now is not Boaz our knower? Asher ha'itat narotav, you were with his female workers. He nehu zored goren seorim alayla. He's tonight on the threshing floor of the barley. So I want you to do thusly. V'rachatzt, clean up, wash yourself. V'sacht, oil yourself. And now we're going to learn that there's a difference between Kri and Ktiv, which means the difference between writing, the way it's written and the way it's read. And the way it's going to be written is, and I'm going to do these things. Naomi, in the writing, it's like, I'm going to go down, I'm going to be with Boaz. But in the reading, it's, you're going to go down and be with Boaz. Because there's a transference here. I was with Elimelech. I was supposed to be the one who has children I was supposed to be the one who has children from, from Judeans in Judea, in Bethlehem. But it didn't happen. And now you're my surrogate. 
you're my surrogate now. And that is what the creek Tiv here is going to accentuate. And it says, Vesamti. I put on. I shall put on. But we read, Vesamt. You shall put on a dress. Simlotach, your dress. Simlotach. Put on your dress. Alaych, on, on yourself. Vayaradati, it says. It says, and I went down. But we read, Vayaradat, and you should go down. To the, thre- to the threshing floor, Hagorin. Now, by the way, another thing is when we say threshing floor, that also immediately in a Bible reader's head pops up another image, which is the famous threshing floor that King David purchases to build the temple in Jerusalem. So you go down to the threshing floor because we need a boy that's going to come from your loins who's going to be the boy who buys that threshing floor. So uh, go down to the threshing floor. That's where he is. This is old school. Just as like, this is like uh, Grandma Tamar, right? Yeah, Tamar, she knew what she was doing. She got dressed up like a harlot. You go down to the threshing floor. Don't reveal yourself to anybody until he finishes uh, eating and drinking. Don't reveal yourself to anybody. Vihi when he lies down, v'yadat, and you should know, et hamakom asher yishkav sham, know the place which he lies down there. Yadat has the word biblical knowledge in it. And the makom, that's what I was telling you before, the makom reminds us of Jerusalem. There's only one place called hamakom. Hamakom is the Temple Mount. But you should know, but in simple in, in simple translation, know the place which he lies down there, Asher Yishkav Sham, which he lie down, which he lie downeth there, Ubat, go there, Vegalit Margilotav, uncover his feet. And then it says again, Veshachavti, and I shall lie down, but we read Veshachavti, and you shall lie down. And he shall tell you then what to do. You got to do your female stuff. You got to go down there when he's sleeping and cover part of his legs, lie down next to him, and he'll tell you the rest. You got to set up the situation. And, uh, you know, Jacob, when he was told uh, to do his mother's bidding, he's like, uh, Mom, you're going to bring a curse upon me. Uh, but when, uh, you know, with Leah and Rachel, they accept that this is what they got to do. Um, Rachel has to trick her father, s- sits on his, uh, on, on, on his uh, idolatry, uh, or when uh, Tamar needs to do what she has to do, she just does it. So she says, Ruth says, she says to her, and by the way, it says, uh, we don't see the, we don't use the word Eli when we read it. Everything you say, and then it says, it's written, everything you say to me. But uh, we read it, everything you say, I shall do. I shall follow you. It's, it's, it's your world. You, you, know this, you know the situation, and I trust you, and I trust that we're doing something holy here. So she went down to the threshing floor. She went down to the threshing floor, and she did exactly everything that her mother-in-law had commanded. Uh, Rashi says, interestingly enough, that, that she did not get washed up and cleaned up 
before she went down there, she went down there. Then she washed up and cleaned up because she she understood that if she got all dollied up beforehand, somebody would recognize her. So she went down and only then put on her lipstick or whatever. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything that her mother-in-law said. And Boaz ate and he drank. And his heart was good. This is a very common refrain. His heart was good in wine, or or he felt physically at peace. He, his his body, you know, long day of work. He ate and he and and he and he uh, was sated. And he went to lie down at the edge of the, uh, at the edge of the pile. And that's what people used to do back then. When you have all of your uh, produce, you didn't leave it in the field by itself. You slept next to it to protect it. Uh, which is which is interesting because you know that's not exactly the common sleep in the world. You're outside, you're sleeping next to your stuff. You're actually half kind of watching out that nobody steals it. Vatavo balat, and she came secretly, surreptitiously. Vatavo balat, vatagal mergalotav, and she uncovered his 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 feet, his legs, and she lie down. And that you know that tends to wake you up. And it was in the middle of the night. It was at midnight. And like that is such a common Jewish refrain. Like we even have a song on Pesach that we're like, and it was in the middle of the night. And we have all these verses where things happen in the middle of the night. And this is one of the famous ones. This is where King David is going to start, you know, being born uh, through through this relationship. It was in the middle of the night. It was in the middle of the night. The man feared. Vayilafet, and and he felt like he, you know, it was dark down there. He just kind of touched something. There's a woman at his feet. Whoa! What is this all about? Vayomer miat. He says, "Who are you?" Vatomer, and she says, "Anochi root amatecha. I am root, your handmaiden. Ufarasta knafecha." Please spread your wing over your handmaiden, for you are our Redeemer. Rashi says so beautifully, he says, what does this mean, your wing? It means spread your clothing, your talit, over me, and it is a language of marriage. Spread your, spread your cloak over me, and I'll be in your household, therefore. And what does it mean that you're a redeemer? It means that you really are the person who's supposed to get the legal rights to the my husband's uh, household. And you're supposed to kind of acquire that and acquire me along with that. Once again now, Book of Blessings. Vayomer brucha at lehashem. Blessed are you to God. So he immediately blesses her. He, immediate, he immediately blesses her. And he says to her, Your last kindness is bigger than your first kindness. That you didn't go with the other boys. If he was poor, if he was rich. Uh, evidently, there was some concern that she might um, go to somebody else. But this was after kind of that period. And she comes back to him. And he's like, I, I recognize the fact that you could have gone another way, but you, but you did not. 
Vatabiti al tiri. And now, my daughter, do not fear. Kol asher tomri eselach. Whatever you say, I shall do for you. Ki yodea kol shar ami. Because my whole, the gate of my nation knows. Ki eshet chayalat. For you are a woman of valor. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Everybody in the nation, you are now accepted in the nation. The gate of the nation. Right? And we, we, and we remember... Uh, uh, the, the gate of the city, we learn it from, from Abraham as well, right? That Abraham purchased uh, the, the tomb of the patriarchs, the cave of the, the, cave of the Machpelah, uh, in the presence of the gate of the city and other people living there. Everybody at the gate of the city knows that you are what? An Eshet Chayel. So come on, when you say Eshet Chayel, you know exactly. We have a song that's written by King Solomon. You must know the Bible, which is, uh, which is Eshet Chayel's song. You're a woman of valor. You're a good woman. That's what, and if you want me to read it just plainly, it's everybody knows you're a good woman. Everybody knows you're a good woman. You've really proven yourself over this time. And it hasn't been rushed, and people have gotten to know you. And it's not just because you're beautiful, it's also because of the respect that you've earned, not just in my eyes, but in the eyes of the nation. You've, been, you've become normalized. And whatever you say to me, I shall do. Just like she did everything that her mother in law told her to do, he says, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Vata. And now, this is verse 12, uh, chapter 3, verse 12, and now, Indeed, I am a redeemer. I am a legal redeemer for, your, uh, for, for the property. However, there is somebody that is a little bit closer than I, a little bit uh, in terms of the lineage. There's somebody who uh, precedes me. He precedes me. You know, and, and I misread something because it, because it's verse twelve. It says, "Vata ki ki omnam ki," and we don't say the word "im." We don't say that word. It's written, but it's not said. Ki goel anochi. I am indeed a your redeemer. I'm a family member redeemer. But in, in terms of the the rights of succession, the rights of uh, uh, the uh, the property, the the estate. However, there's somebody that's closer than me. So let me do my business. And she sa- and he says, Lini, with a big lament, Lini, sleep here, Halayla, sleep here tonight. And it was, and it's, and it'll be in the morning. If he shall uh, redeem you, Tov, Yigal, he shall redeem. But if he won't redeem you, I shall redeem you. I shall redeem you. I swear by the life of God. Lay till the morning. Be at peace. Because one way or the other, things are going to turn out okay for you. It's either going to be that guy or it's going to be me, this guy. Uh, but somehow we're going to we're going to take care of this problem of Noemi uh, in our midst, of Ruth in our midst. We're going to somehow uh, redeem your status one way or the other. It would be unfair of me if I, if I didn't mention that that there is a tension there. Here's a beautiful uh, young woman uh, in his lap, in, 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 and there's nobody around. It's the middle of the night, and the major says, "In fact, uh, in fact, there was there was a lot of energy there. There was a lot of tension there." But he says to her, "Lay here till the morning. I've got to do this the right way. Okay, I'm not going to do this the rushed way. I'm not going. I'm going to do it the right way. And now I have to make sure." That 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 this is done properly. This is this ain't no Moab here. Okay, we got to do this the right way. And if you want to get married to me, then I got to make sure that all the the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, 
although they didn't have T's or I's in, in that culture. Uh, but I got to make sure that here in Bethlehem things are done right. So lay here till the morning. So indeed she laid at his feet until morning. But she got up before a person could recognize another person. I mean, it was still very dark outside. You can't recognize faces. And, and, and it was, and she, well, it's, it's interesting because it says, and, and she said, um, but, but it was, it was, it's as, it's like saying, Ali Vadaki Bai Shagon. It was it was said, or maybe he said, or somebody said that nobody should know that she came to the threshing floor. the The operative point here is is that she uh, laid there as he told her to, but 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 got up early, 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 so that nobody could see it because because there are certain things that are better off not seen, and uh, and she's got a lot of modesty, and she understands that that. If it's public knowledge, it could look a little bit bad. So she doesn't want to do that. And she came, and, and it doesn't even say, by the way, it doesn't even say that Ruth came to the Gorn. It's that the woman came to the Gorn. Nobody should accuse this great judge, this great important person, this great wealthy person, the strong person, Boaz of Hanky Panky. Nobody should think a woman even came down there. Not, not, all, not only not me, Ruth, but, but any woman. I want Boaz to have a good name. And indeed, Nothing uh, untoward happened. Vayomer havi and she's about to leave. Vayomer havi hamit pachat asher alech. Give me your kerchief that is upon you. Veachziba and hold on to it. Vatochazba she held on to it. Vayamed shesh seorim. Vayashet alea vayavoha iur. I'll read it here from the English, uh, in the old kind of English. And he said, "Bring me the mantle that is upon you and hold it." And she held it. And he measured six measures of barley and laid it onto her. And he went into the city. Meaning to say he gave her a lot of food. And, and the six is here a little bit, uh, a, kind of, a kind of wink to the sixth of Sivan, uh, which is when we celebrate Shavuot. Uh, but in any case, he gave her enough uh, to, 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 have, to, have a, uh, to, to have sustenance but also as a symbol that he's giving her something to, to keep going. He, in the meantime, goes into the city. And there's, there's, there's interesting Midrashim that basically say that she was dressed as a man. Somehow she had, she had hidden her female form, and, and he, kind of, uh, he, he, he makes mention of that. In, in any case, he gives her these, these six uh, uh, measures of barley, which are blessings. V'tavol chamota, she comes to her mother-in-law. And that's how he, he ends... That that meeting, he gives her something. That's also a sign. He's he's giving her he's giving her sustenance. He's giving her livelihood. So she came to her mother-in-law. She says, "Who are you, my daughter?" She told her everything that that the man had done to her. So either she couldn't tell who she was because it was that early, or there was something very special. Maybe her her countenance changed somehow. So she told her what, what he had did with her. And then he, she says, so, so he gives, she says, and he gave me these six measures of barley saying, saying to me, and there's another word here which is read but not said, which is Eli. He said to me. And without it, it says, for he had said, 
not to me, but he said in general, don't come empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Again, there's a transference here. There's something about Naomi which should have had the chance to have that relationship with a man like Elimelech, but she is the surrogate for that is going to be root. And there's something, a slight, there's a romance, a slight jealousy. Uh, there's a hint that he sends Naomi a signal saying, well, well, Naomi, you know, I'm going on now to marry Ruth, but wink, say la vie, you know, it could have been us. Something is there. There's, there's, there's a little hint to that relationship that was, uh, that was, uh, that didn't happen, that was not consummated, but instead there is this uh, surrogate, uh, this this lady root, which which it's important for one reason or another to bring her into the nation. So so Naomi says to root, "Vatomer shvibiti." She says, "My daughter, sit sit here, be still." Until we'll find out how something, how the thing will fall. Uh, and and there's a hint here to also Purim. How you pull is like how it will shall fall. Like what things are just gonna fall. It's all from God. But there's a there's a hint here to also the Purim story and the Esther story, which is like okay, God is handling this, but it's but it's going to be kind of in His hidden way. And so we'll see how things fall. Wink, wink. Fall in 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 uh, in in quotation marks because it's all from God. How the thing will fall. Because this man, I know him, because this man will not be silent until he's done with this deed today. He's, he's a man of, and we've learned this, he's a man who takes care of business. So we've had some conversations between uh, Ruth and Boaz, but in the end it's Naomi that says, listen, now you chill here because it's Boaz and he's going to take care of business and I know this Boaz I know him well and he's going to take care of this business today so the sun there was a, a midnight rendezvous and now there is um, the sun is rising on Bethlehem and Beit Lechem Ephrata and business needs to be taken care of It's today from here on not from here on all the way but for, for, for a little bit now it's a man story so we're going to get to chapter 4 Four of the book of Ruth, and I am Yishai Fleischer, and I'm so honored and pleased to be joining you. And let's finish up strong the last chapter in the book of Ruth, chapter four. Chapter four. Boaz Allahashar, and Boaz went up to the gate, right, the gate of the city. Vayeshev Sham, and he sat there. Vineha Goel Over, and here comes the first in line redeemer, Asher Diber Boaz, which Boaz spoke of. Vayomer, and he says to him, Sura Shvapo. Come, come down, sit with me, Plony Almoni, Mr. Anonymous, because we're never going to learn his name. And the Torah calls him, the, the, the Bible calls him Plony Almoni, as in, I'm not going to use your name, but your name is Plony. Mr. Pl- it's either your real name is Plony Almoni, or it means, and today in modern Hebrew, this means anonymous. Mr. Anonymous, Mr. X, Vayasar, and he indeed got off of his path, and he sat down, Vayasar Vayeshev, he sat down with him. Now here, again, again, we're hearkening a little bit back 
there's only one other tale kind of that that that, that immediately uh, graphically we we see the same image of witnesses in the gate of the city and that's Abraham's purchase of another field in Judea and that's the field of the Machpelah also in Judea in Hebron the capital of Judea all right and 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 pretty close by really in the same region so now again they're sitting at the gate of the city he took 10 men from the elders of the city. Now everybody, Boaz is a businessman and he gets it done. He says, everybody sit down here. And they say, okay. So they all sit down. Now he says to the first in line redeemer, the field. And again, we're hearkening back to, to, to Abraham. The, the, the parcel of field, which is to our brother, literally our brother, Elimelech, so here's the English translation. And, and he said unto his near kinsman, right, the next in line, Naomi that has come back out of the field of Moab selleth the parcel of land which was our, which was, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to disclose it unto thee, saying, Buy it before them that sit here and before the, before the elders of the people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if it will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. Okay, so so he says, and then he said, I will redeem it. I'll read it in Hebrew. I, I said to myself, I, I said, I will let you know. means I will I will reveal to your ears. Saying, Therefore, buy this field that Naomi uh, has sold, but what means sold really is now owns from Elimelech. You're supposed to be the inheritor. Buy it in front of all these witnesses, these people sitting here, and against or, or in front of the elders of my nation. If, it, if you will redeem it, redeem it. If you shall not redeem it, Hagidali, tell me. Ve'eda, here's that word again, no, and I shall know. Ki'ein zulatcha, however, there's nobody besides you, lig'ol, v'anochi acharecha. I mean, so you're number one, I'm number two. V'yomer anochi ag'al. So I, I want to say what's really going on here is a very rabbinic, very Pharisee, very uh, uh, illegal thing. He's like, look, you're first in line, and there is a law in this land. There's a way things are done. And he says to him, Vayomer says, yes, I, okay, fine. I accept, I accept that, uh, that your, your premises and I shall, uh, I, I shall indeed inherit it. I want to inherit it. So th- that was like brinksmanship because you know that Boaz doesn't really want him to inherit it. But he says, uh, but he says um, I will inherit it. However, Boaz has another thing coming. He says, he has another thing uh, c- coming out. And he says, But you got to know one more thing, which is, fine, you, you want to redeem it? Great. But the day that you buy this field from Naomi, you also get the stuff of Ruth, the Moabitess, which is the, the uh, wife of the, of the deceased, right? Machlon, Kanita, Lakim, Shem Hamet al Nachlato. You've also purchased the opportunity to raise the name of the dead onto his uh, inheritance, 
In other words, there's a mitzvah of leveret marriage. There's a mitzvah of marrying the wife of your brother who uh, did not uh, uh, have any children, and you have to raise the seed uh, on his name, and you have to give that person a chance. This is called leveret marriage or yibum. By the way, some people say that she was going to sell the fields that belonged to her family, and this was a way to kind of redeem it so it doesn't go to somebody else. Uh, but in any case, he says to him, look, if you're going to buy the field, you also have to uh, marry marry Ruth the Moabitess. She's part of the package deal here. If you want to inherit this land, you also inherit this story as well. It's kind of a package, a package deal uh, of, of purchase. You purchase the land. You also purchase the, the the girl who goes with the land because because that was part of part of the deal. And also, there's a there's a um, literary uh, uh, similarity, therefore, between the field which produces and the wife which is supposed to produce offspring. You want to take the 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 field of the of the man who died, so to take his wife and and raise raise children in his name. So that's what you got to do, says Boaz. He's like he's like he springs it on him, but it's a package deal. So the Redeemer says, I shall not be able to redeem it, lest I um, mar my own inheritance. Mar it, or somehow hurt myself, but I will not, I, I will, I will not be able to do it because of my inheritance. My inheritance, not the name of the dead, but my inheritance can suffer. Somehow this is going to taint me or mar me because I now I'm going to have this Moabitus and I'm just not so sure that this is a good thing. You, you do it. Go ahead now. You do it. Well, thank you for following protocol, but now you do it. You inherit, uh, you inherit the, uh, this issue, this problem, this mess. Uh, the sages say uh, on uh, on uh, on the verse, the day that you purchase the field, you'll purchase root. It says, It is told, it, we learn here, that anybody who buys four cubits in the land of Israel, he is promised to be a person that has a share in the next world. So, uh, he says, uh, so the Plony Almoni, Mr. Anonymous, who's the first redeemer, says, you know what? You redeem it. I don't want to mess up my inheritance. You in- you can redeem my redemption. Ki lo chaligol, for I'm not going to be able to to indeed inherit it. It's, 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 this, this package deal is too much for me. It's, I'm, I'm a little risk averse. That's basically what he says. I'm risk averse. Okay. And now going to be a kind of a, a narration telling us, this is the way it is done in Israel. This is this is the protocol. Al on redemption and on uh, um, uh, purchasing uh, and and paying recompense concerning redeeming and concerning exchanging to confirm all things. This is the legal way. Now the, the kind of kind of this book, which has been a book of 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 men and women and relationships and and loss and found and 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 poverty and wealth and all that suddenly it goes into legal mode 
And it says, well, this is, this is the sign in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning exchanging to confirm all things. How, did it, how was it done? L'kayim kol davar, to fulfill and confirm all things. Shalaf ish na'alo v'natan l'rehu. They used to make a sign. Okay, we got a deal. And the way we're going to do that is everybody took off his shoe and gave it to his friend. And this was, this was the attestation. This is how things were attested to uh, in Israel. So it was, that, was, that was like the way was, the things were shown. So they both did that. So the, the narration told us how it's done. So suddenly, now back to the, back to the story. So the, the Redeemer says to Boaz, you purchase it, and he took off his shoe. Meaning to say, he's not going to slap him with the shoe. What he means to say, let's exchange shoes. Everybody's going to see that I'm holding each other's shoe. That means I'm holding the other person's uh, business and welfare and money. There's an exchange that happened here, and we're all in full agreement. That is, uh, and if you think about it, you're standing in front of a lot of witnesses. You can shake hands. What does shake hands mean? It means that, do we agree or we don't agree? Do we walk away shaking hands? I exchange the shoes, and I hold up the shoes to each hand. It means to say, you have something of mine, I have something of yours, and I'm cool with that. We're cool with that. That's a sale. So that's what they did. So Boaz says to the elders and all the nation, right? So there's the elders, there's the nation, there's two different people. There's the simple folks, that's the folks, and then there's the elders. You are today witnesses. For I have purchased and I have bought all that is et kol asher excuse me, le'elimelech. Notice, uh, uh, notice now what I have done, right? I have, uh, uh, you are witnesses that I have purchased all that is to Elimelech and everything that belongs to from Naomi, whatever she had of theirs and she's willing to sell or through inheritance, I have purchased it, it today. By the way, I, I just want to say one thing. Uh, go back a, a few phrases about the, the shoe giving one to the other. It says, gave it to his friend. Well, that reminds us exactly of Purim, right? Of, of giving gifts to one another. So here they're giving the shoe to one another, but there's a little, sometimes there's a little kind of, uh, 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 you, you know, uh, linguistic reminder of, of a different book and a different heroine. So, so at the end of that book, and the end of this book, so they gave each other the shoes, so they did it in a willing fashion. In the end of that book, it's, it's really, you know, that we celebrate Purim through giving gifts to one, one another. In any case, I have bought everything that was Elimelech's and Kilion Machlon from, Kilion Machlon from Naomi. Vegam, and also et Ruta Moaviyah, I also purchased Ruth the Moabitess, Eshet Machlon, right? The wife, that's right, the, the wife of Machlon. By the way, Machlon, I have a note here for myself, Machlon has the word Lechem in it. Right? Has the word Lechem. Has the word bread, the house of bread. So Machlon, Lechem, right? So also, Ruta Moviyah, the wife of Machlon, I have purchased for myself for a wife, Lehakim et Shem Hamet, in order to raise the name of the dead, Al Nachalato, and his inheritance, like a leveret marriage yibum, Veloi Karet Shem Hamet Meimachav, and his name shall not be deceased from his brothers, Umishar Mekomo, and, and from the gate of his place, Edimatemayom, you are witnesses today. Again, witnesses at the gate, that is immediately reminding us of Abraham, and Abraham, when he purchases that gate, when he purchases that field and the cave within it at the gate, uh, what is he purchasing? He's purchasing Jewish continuity, and here at the gate, 
what we see is Jewish continuity. I have purchased, uh, I, I have acquired Ruth, and uh, I am now going to do a levirate marriage and, and thereby raising the name of the dead. I'm going to make Jewish continuity, continuity for the very name of Machlon. You are witness to it today. And there's legalism here, right? I, I say this word because sometimes my Christian friends, you know, still hearken to the past when the people that don't, Christians don't like legalism. This is the law. This is law here. And that's the way we Jews do it. And here you have a clear signal that it's part of the Bible, that, 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 that law is the, is the way that it was done and, and it should be done today. And all of the nation that was in the gate, and the elders said, Edim. We are witnesses. And the elders, they all, Edim. He says, you're Edim, you're, you're witnesses. And they're like, Edim, we are witnesses. They, they, they acquiesce to that. And then, here comes the Book of Blessings again. Yiten Hashem et isha. May God bring, give this woman, Haba'a el Beitecha, that is coming into your home, Kirachel Uchelea. They, she should be like Rachel and Leah, Asher Banush Tehem, who together built at Beit Israel. They built the house of Israel. So, on the one hand, it's Judah, the tribe. Of, it's it's Bethlehem and the tribe of Judah. So that's Leah, but the other one is Rachel, who's buried here as well. And 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 you're this new wife that you're bringing this root, the Moabite, this convert. She should be like Rachel and Leah. She's plugged in to that lineage, which they built the house of Israel. And the house of Israel is usually a reference to the, the women of Israel, right? We learned that in the Torah, Beit Israel. So she should, they should build the house of Israel. In this way, they should keep going to be, her, she, this root is going to be like Rachel, who builds the house of, of Israel. These are the women of Israel. And may you make success and strength in Ephrat, and your name, you should, you should call out a name, the name of God, the name of Machlon, the name of Boaz, the name of Ruth, in Beit Lechem, right? It should be called out your name. Or your, your, you shall, uh, and your, the, the name shall be famous. Maybe God's name. Maybe David's name. Maybe Machlon's name, the, the dead. Maybe Ruth's name, the book. And the Medrash says, Beit Israel. That's like I read to you before. Beit Israel. He says. He says uh, uh, a man who who marries a kosher woman. It's as though he fulfilled the whole Torah. And I have to say that that I absolutely believe that that's true. Mirosh um, from beginning to end. And it says about him. Your wife is like a fruitful uh, a fruitful vine. And therefore, Eshet Chayel, which is the, the term that, that, that was used about Ruth by Boaz and written later on by King Solomon uh, and, and inspired by Abraham's lament for the loss of Sarah at the tomb of the fathers and mothers, it says uh, that's all Eshet Chayel. It's written from Aleph Ataf to show you from, from a, a, a to Z to show you that the whole Torah, uh, fulfill, marrying a good woman is like fulfilling the whole Torah, keeps saying the Midrash, and women and, and all the generations are never redeemed except for the great merit of righteous women that are in the generation. For it says, Hashem remembers the kindness and the faith of Beit Israel, 
And it does not say Bnei Israel, the children of Israel, which includes the men. Ella, it says Beit Israel, which is known as the women of Israel. So here you have you have the Midrashim waxing rhapsodic about what it means to marry a kosher Jewish woman, and that's what happened here. But the elders and the folks are not done yet. They have more blessings. I told you, Book of Blessings. Vihi now they're going to invoke somebody else. So we invoked Rachel and Leah, the foremothers, matriarchs of the Jewish people. But now they're going to introduce somebody else because there's another subplot here. As I told you, Machlon and Kilion are like Erva Onan, the sons of Yehuda, because this is the tribe of Judah. So there's a more localized uh, message here, and that is your house should be like the house of Peretz. Peretz is, is the, uh, uh, the progenitor uh, of 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 your house, right? Because it's the house that that uh, your father, uh, which is Nachshon ben Aminadav, comes out of. Peretz, Asher Yalda Tamar, which Tamar gave birth to Judah. Min Hazera Asher Iten Lecha from the seed that God shall give you. Asher Iten Hashem Lecha, excuse me, from the seed. From the seed that God will give to you, from this young maiden, she, sh- your house should be the ha- like the house of parrots, which Tamar gave birth to Judah. So your house should be like the house of this incredibly successful person who who Tamar who tricked Ju- Judah and 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 was a righteous and incredible woman just like that, just like parrots who was born from that union. Your house should be like that. That's that's a Judean blessing. That is a specifically Judean blessing in the family. When he said that, when they said that to him, that resonated on a personal level. We here in, in Beit Lechem, we're, Jude- we're Judites, Judeans, and, 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 and you're from, directly from this family, so, so your house should continue to be blessed in this family the way Peretz was blessed. Wow. Okay, and now we're coming towards uh, the end. V'yikach Boaz took root. V'tihilo lisha. She was a wife unto him. Vayavo eleha, he came unto her or into her. Vayiten Hashem laherayon, and God gave her pregnancy. Vatelet ben, and she gave birth to a son. Guess what? We are now done with Boaz. Boaz is gone, except for one more mention in terms of lineage, but he is gone. And some of the Midrashim say, which is, I, I think, one of the most shocking and incredible Midrashim. In Ruth Zuta, it says, He came unto her. When he came unto her that night, he died. His, this was the uh, uh, zenith, and pardon the pun, climax of his life. This was the end of his life because for this he was, uh, 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 for this he he was destined. This was the fulfillment of his great, uh, of his great life and his great story. Is that is that is that he united with Ruth to continue the lineage and to, of course, make finally King David uh, and 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 the seed of Mashiach. Meaning to say, this whole story, like 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 Tamar, captures the seed of Judah in order to perpetuate the, this incredible lineage. So too, this is what it was really all about. So, the, so you could believe it or not. It doesn't. You don't have to buy into the idea that he really died that night. Maybe he didn't really die that night, but the point is his purpose was fulfilled that night in the creation of that lineage. The Midrash says he passed away. And, an, and another Midrashim say that she really was like Sarah and that she didn't have uh, parts of her womb. 
and 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 God made a miracle that she she was uh, uh, that she was um, able to to get pregnant to give birth, and then another measure says here Vateled Ben she had a son, and it says it means that he came out circumcised, he came out perfect. But Boaz is not going to be mentioned anymore, and it's a, and it's now somebody else is going to call this boy a name. Uh, we are in chapter four. Verse 14, So the women said to Naomi, a blessing. They said to her, the women now. Remember, before we had the men folk in the gate, they blessed them, and they got married, and they had a child. So the men did their blessing of the men at the gate after doing business and after you know exchanging shoes and all kinds of man stuff. Now it's the women's turn. So the women say, Naomi, Baruch Hashem, blessed is God, Asher lo hishbit lach goel hayom, which he did not, he did not leave you without a near kinsman. He did not, he did not forget about you. He, God did not forsake you. Kilo hishbit lach goel hayom, he didn't deny you a redeemer today. Veikra shmo, veikra, veikare shmo b'Israel, and may his name be called in Israel, meaning to say. Uh, may his name uh, be a famous name in Israel, this child. No, 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 not this child. Excuse me, this Boaz. Boaz, may he have a good name in Israel because he is the Redeemer. Or does it mean, blessed is God, which did not keep from you a, a, a Redeemer, and his name should be called in Israel, God's name, right? It's not, again, Boaz is the vehicle through which God does his blessing. It's really a very similar verse to the one that we learned previously, which is like, who is it that's blessed? Is it Boaz or is it God? Or is it Boaz's action that is inspired by God or God's hand working through Boaz? Okay. His name should be called in Israel. Now this child, or the Redeemer, or God. It's hard to know. But let's say the child. The child should be to you somebody who, who gives, your, gives you um, a return of the soul, a, a restorer of life. And the word meshiv, by the way, we remember now the hand of, of Peretz, excuse me, of Zarach, that came out of the womb with Tamar, and instead Peretz came out, right? So we have that word, like Meshiv Yador, returns his hand, but this would be a restorer of the soul, a Meshiv Nefesh. Remember, you came in and you said that you were bitter and God had gone against you and you had left and your husband died and your sons died. So this kid should be, you Naomi. Oh my gosh, I didn't point that out. Not you, Root. You Naomi. Now they're talking, the neighbors are talking to Naomi, one of their old friends, right? Who, who left for 10 years. This this marriage and this kid and these blessings should be a restorer of your soul. And also to, um, um, to give you livelihood in your old age, like to feed you, to feed your old age. Because your um, daughter-in-law, which loved you, that she that she loved you, Yaldatu she she Yaldatu she gave birth to him. She is better for you than seven sons, uh, and you know this is so uh, this is so kind of classic 
because we have here uh, the the who is I, I told you who's the author here? The author is Samuel, right? And Samuel's own mother, right? Her husband says to her uh, uh, in the book of Samuel, right? In the book of Samuel, talking about the birth of Samuel. So Elkanah, he is so this is the father of Samuel tells the wife who was barren at the time, Chana, he says, he says, why should you be sad? Am I not better for you? This is this is chapter one, verse eight. Am I not better for you? Am I not better for you than ten sons? Am I not better? Am I not a, such a good husband that, that I'm better than ten sons? So sticks in Samuel when he's writing this book that the that the but that the neighbors tell Naomi this daughter-in-law is better than seven sons, but she is uh, fruitful, uh, and she she has given birth to your new grandson. Your um, well, it's not exactly a grandson, but if you, if indeed Boaz uh, fulfilled a Leveret marriage on the name of your son Machlon, then this is like a grandson to you. Right, let me just read it to you in the English. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law who loveth thee, who is better to thee than seven sons had borne him. So she did give birth to, to, to a, uh, a grandson for you. It's not root now. It's not root. Naomi takes the boy. She puts him in her bosom in her arms, and she was to him, his nursemaid, his, she, 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 she raised the boy. And of course, we, the word we see, omenet, we immediately remember Esther and how Mordechai grew her, right? Remember, there's like two books in the, in, in the, in the canon that are named for women, right? And, and it's, uh, well, if you, if you want to add Chaye Sarah, there's really the life of Sarah, and then there is the book of Esther and the book of Ruth here. And there's a little wink, a little nod towards the, uh, the book of, of, of Esther, which, or, or maybe we want to say that the book of, is probably time-wise more correct to say that the book of Esther nods here to the book of Ruth. But Naomi is the one who is going to raise, uh, who's going to raise uh, this little boy. He, she's going to raise the little boy because... Because because it's all there's so much transference here, really, really like really like Elimelech, really uh, Boaz is kind of a replacement for Elimelech, and really Naomi was the one who left bereft and wanted to come back and be reborn. But it's through the surrogate, through this through this incredible lady Ruth, that's the way it had to happen. But Naomi has a stake in this whole thing, and she's going to raise this boy, and she's going to be his uh, his 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 mother, his grower, his uh, raiser. However, the neighbors are going to call him a name, right? You like that? That the, it takes a village, right? It takes a village. Shem leemor yulad ben lenaomi, and they said, they said, let's call him this name. They gave him this name, saying, a boy was born to Naomi. See, not to Ruth, to Naomi. They called him Oved. Who avi shai avi David. They called him Oved because he, and, and after the Oved was his name, remember he was born maybe circumcised, he's this incredible boy, he's this, this incredible uh, gift, uh, after all these years of barrenness, and you bring back this Moabite, suddenly you have this boy, the neighbors call him Oved. 
Uh, and remember, it takes a village. Who Avi Yishai Avi David? He is the father of Yishai. My name is Yishai, and the, and who is the father of David? Okay, and and the Zohar and the Zohar will actually say that this boy is the transmigration, the Gilgul of Machlon, right? That that, that he was actually born again. This Machlon that died out in the Galut, out in the diaspora of out in the exile. Uh, of of Moab, he's going to be. He is the real soul, the reincarnated soul of uh, of this. Ovad is really the reincarnated soul of Machlon, as was promised that I'm going to raise uh, a son to him, and that's why the text is going to say that basically uh, Naomi, because it, sa- it literally says Yulad ben Naomi, a son was born to Naomi, but we know it was born to Ruth. Okay. But as I told you, there's a lot of play here, and and one of the points that the Zohar is bringing is that the son is actually this son of Naomi who had died. He is reborn, and now he's going to be called Ovad. He is the the father of Yishai, of Yishai, of David. And the book finishes off like this. This is the lineage of Peretz. Peretz holidet chetzron. Peretz, remember I told you about Peretz, who was uh, Tamar's second son? He says, um, no, excuse me, his fir- her first son, right? Zarach is the one that, that sticks out the hand, and then Peretz comes out first. So, Vele toldot Peretz. So here is the, the household of Peretz, the lineage. Peretz holidet Chatzron. Peretz gave birth to Chatzron. The Chatzron holidet Ram. Chatzron gave birth to Ram. Ram holidet Aminadav. And Ram gave birth to Aminadav. The Aminadav holidet Nachshon. Aminadav gave birth to Nachshon. That's Nachshon ben Aminadav, the famous chief, the chieftain of uh, the the, the flag-bearing chieftain of the tribe of Judah. V'Nachshon holidet et Salma. Salmon holidet Boaz. Salma seems like he was he was called kind of in two different names, Salma and Salmon. V'Salmon holidet Boaz. So Nachshon is Boaz's grandfather, right? Uboaz holid et Oved. So, so I think in this in this case they're saying that no, that that Boaz is the grandfather, uh, that 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 Nachshon is the grandfather, not like I said before the father, but the grandfather. And I think that makes sense is the grandfather of of uh, of Boaz. Boaz. Now we know that Boaz gave birth to Oved, and guess what? Oved holid at Yishai. Oved gave birth to Yishai. Yishai holid at David. The word David closes this book off. And David's going to have many, many, many stories. But if you want to know the story of the birth of King David, that's that. this is the story of the birth of King David. That's what this book is all about. An amazing midrash in Shemot Rabbah says that when it says, Toldot Peretz, here are the generations of Peretz, and has his name twice, El Toldot Peretz, Peretz, right? Peretz, Holidat Chatzron. So the midrash says, there's only two places in the whole in the whole Bible, that it says, and here are the generations, and it spells it out. Once it says it in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, Elo toldot varts. here is the story of the birth of the heavens and the earth, and it lays it out. And here also will lay out, here is the, uh, uh, the generations of parrots, and it lays it out. Why? Says the Midrash, when I created the world, I created it with no death. I created a beautiful world uh, that is going to, that is full and there was no death in this world. However, when when man and e- when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, he from then on 
limited when when he talked about uh, people's generations. There was death in the world, and I had to kind of put the death into it, so I couldn't spell out all the generations. When I created heavens and earth, there was no death. But later on, soon afterwards, man sinned, and that's it. I had to kind of not spell out all the generations because there's death. However, when Peretz was born, this was the beginnings of the Messianic lineage, and when Messiah actually comes, when Mashiach comes, there will be no death in this world, and that death will disappear, the, the energy of death will disappear, and so too I can, I can say the whole lineage of Peretz, which is the anti-death energy, which is the anti-death energy in this world. And, and another very famous Tanchuma says uh, on the words Peretz, Peretz, right? It said uh, this, these are the generations of Peretz, and Peretz gave birth, but the word Peretz and Peretz are right next to one another. Remember, this is the son of Judah, uh, who's going to lead to Nachshon ben Aminadav, and who's going to lead to Boaz, who's going to lead to King to Isha and King David. So Rabbi Abba Bar Kahana, Rabbi Abba, the son of uh, son of Kahana, said, anybody whose name is repeated twice in the whole Bible, he lives in two worlds: Noach, Noach, Avram, Avram, Yaakov, Yaakov, Moshe, Moshe, Shmuel, Shmuel, Peretz, Peretz. Okay, and these are these are the great ones that exists on on two planes uh, at the very same time. We have now finished uh, the book of uh, the book of Ruth, which is read on Shavuot. Uh, it is uh, read on Shavuot uh, because it is the time from the barley harvest to the end of the wheat harvest. It's exactly this period. Uh, also, King David uh, is um, is purportedly born and died on Shavuot, and so is the Baal Shem Tov. And so uh, uh, it is uh, very, very appropriate that the Jewish people read this book at this time. And you have read, you have now read it, heard, you have heard it read to you uh, by Yishai Fleischer, sitting in uh, Ephrat, Beit Lechem Ephrata, uh, in the fields of Boaz, in the fields of Judah, uh, in the fields of Bethlehem, with the tomb of Rachel not so far away, with Hebron not so far away. And of course, all of our eyes are to Yerushalayim, where we go uh, on Shavuot, uh, to receive the Torah as we received it on Mount Sinai. May God bless you to receive the Torah in joy. Woo! That was a wow, lot of... Wow, way to go. That was very nice. That was a lot of Book of Ruth. Maka, I am ready for some cheesecake. Oh, yeah. And it's the day before Shavuot, and the cheesecake is in the fridge. Yeah, it is. You better lock it tonight so that I don't do no, a midnight... No, 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 no. No midnight, midnight rendezvous. No, 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 okay, no. Okay, no, I won't do it. I shan't. I'll, I'll, I'll hold myself back. Maka, I want to thank you, Chavit Seidman, Moshe Herman, Ben Bresky, Tabitha, and Lou when we're live for helping make the show happen. I want to thank the folks that support us, uh, including the folks that help us, the many people that are that are signed up as, as monthly donors on buymeacoffee.com and those people who, who, like Krista, who go out of their way to help us. It really, really makes a difference for real. Yeah, it does. It really does. Uh, so that's buymeacoffee.com forward slash Ishai. And of course, IshaiFlasher.com is your place to find uh, all of our old podcasts, uh, all of our articles, all of our videos, uh, and our, if you want to support with bigger projects like Kevrut Vishai and other things that we're doing, uh, that's the place to do it. I want to thank you all. I yes. also, I, I just want to thank people. I noticed that some people have been, uh, have been rating the show. And I really want to thank those people. That makes a big difference. We got to work together to get the message out. If you like this show and you're listening because you like it, then please help other people to get this show too so that they could like it. And on and on we go. If you rank the show, in parentheses, highly, if you rank the show high, 
then the show does better on all the analytics and the and the algorithms and all that stuff and the show gets out so please take a moment you know what i like you know what i want to rate highly i want to rate highly hashem yes his awesome world five stars his beautiful torah and the gift of receiving the torah i want to bless all of you to receive the torah that simple i want to right, receive mamash, all that me, is a me big Hashem. one that's right Meshem. put the torah into our lives and also another way of receiving the torah everybody I'm going to say something right here at the end of the show, okay. which is very deep but very true. All I've right. read it in Hasidic books. Another way to receive the Torah is to move it from the brain and bring it down to the heart. Nice. That is also receiving of the Torah. Good. If you can bring it from the mind and into the heart and really start to live a life of wanting to follow God nearly, uh, then, then that's a big day change. Sometimes it's from the mind to the heart is a big is a big re- receiving of the Torah. May, may, nice. may come down into our hearts. Amen. All right, folks, lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings, from the time of blessings, from the time of revelation. Great stuff uh, is happening to the nation with, of course, the bumps and the challenges, but that's part of it. So never let it take you down or bring you down. Great things are happening. Revelation is happening. You're a part of it. If you're part of this generation, it's because God wanted you to be in this earth right now to be part of this redemptive time and to be part of this revelatory time. Let's get out there and reflect it, project it, broadcast it out there fearlessly, uh, and let's give each other that strength. Lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. And shalom. Chag Sameach. Shabbat shalom. Chag Sameach.